Morning, four minutes past four. I was reading, well, I think I was reading yesterday on the train uh, a piece about Nadine Dorries. You remember the deluded MP who uh, is so far up her own rear end she's failed to see the sunlight. Anyway, she was criticised by an MP the other week who said it's disgraceful, you know, that this, this woman should be doing this. And so Nadine rounded on him quite uh, quite badly and said, well, I, I've been checking you out. She said, you seem to be having more than your fair share of holidays. And he said, in, in a quite calm voice, of course it's different, he said, equating what you were doing out in the jungle for a fee whilst I was in hospital having open-heart surgery. Made her look about that big. What a stupid woman. What a stupid, stupid woman. Some have paid out some money to Louis Walsh after they libelled him badly. After some man claimed he'd been groped in a club by Louis Walsh. Anybody could have told you it was the biggest pile of rubbish going. But they stupidly went with it. Cost them half a million quid to, to, uh, <coughs> to settle that one. So that was good news. And then they, they, they've continued running with that silly story they went with yesterday, which is um, Dean Gaffney wanting to be a new James Bond. I mean, it's a, they must have run out of things to put in the paper. On the front page, they've got Eric Bristow, who's that not very nice bloke in the jungle. The, he's just a fat darts player. That's all you can say about him, with a deeply unpleasant side. And uh, apparently now uh, he's, he's landed at the centre of a, a row after his manager threatened to call in lawyers over his portrayal on the show. Oh, God, honestly, what a bunch of girls. What a bunch of... His portrayal on the show. What, the fact that he's a nasty thug and he's a bully? God, blimey, how can you portray that any differently? Even the son have said, you know... I mean, they, they've actually got a quote from his son... Apparently, Eric's son, James, 19, said, I'm really... And then he used a rude word, because quite clearly he's as common as muck. And uh, he says here, um, I can't... I'm really... F- I'll use the word fed up with the way Dad's been made to look. The edit's been totally unfair, and I know his manager is talking to lawyers about it. Wait, wait for this. The feeling was that if things uh, can't get any worse, otherwise we will go for ITV and cause them huge problems. Ooh, you big girl. Ooh, we're so frightened, James. Ooh, everybody stand back. James Bristow's made a comment. What a drip. What a drip. The way he's being made to look. I mean, perhaps you've not seen the programme. It's, it's, you know, I realise in the editing they could do things, but you you can't fail to see the words that have come out of his mouth. The man's a nasty piece of work. We knew that before he went in there. So, so James, girly boy... Just stay out of it. It's a television programme. If, if your overweight, fat father, who's not very pleasant, doesn't want to be there, he can walk out. He's an adult. Quite clearly not as stupid as you, though. We can cause big trouble for ITV. <gasps> God, we're so scared. <sighs> I bet ITV are quaking in their boots at the thought of James... Br- oh, God, James Bristow's coming down. No! Yeah, James Br- He's going to make trouble for ITV. No! He's really... Really, really angry. He's really fed up. No! What, James Brister? Yeah! Ooh, scared. Don't think so. Don't think so. And his lawyer said, we'll be <laughs> Yeah, because he signed a legal document. He knows what the programme is, unless he's particularly stupid. You've got a leg to stand on, pal, as well you know. Otherwise, just take him out now, get rid of the fat bloke who plays darts. That was what I always thought was the most intelligent thing you could ever do. What do you do? I throw darts at a board. Wow, whoopee. Whoopee. And I did say that we would find the bloke yesterday who did the monkey gesture. You know, the Sunderland fan. Yes, we've got him. His name's Liam Jones. He's quite clearly a bit of a dimbo. There's not a lot going on between his ears. He's unemployed, of course. 
Big surprise there. And apparently he's a he's a he's a boxer. Ooh, scared, scared again, aren't we? For for that one there. Where's a flat cap? Comes from Sunderland. Lives in a flat uh, with his brother, who apparently carries the bucket for him when he goes into the ring to fight. Ooh, scared. But uh, anyway, he's a bit pathetic. And uh, he says, I've been let out for that monkey thing. They made a similar gesture to show what he meant. He's quite clearly a bit remedial again. It's my favourite word of the week. You know, he's not all there between the ears. He looks a bit stupid. He looks a bit thick. He can't help it. It's not his fault. You know, you come from Sunderland, you start with a handicap. Nothing you could do about it. You come from Sunderland and you, you know, and you sort of look at him and you think, you really are that stupid. I can't believe in this day and age that you even report people who, well, I can understand you report it, because you can't believe that somebody would be that stupid to do a monkey gesture to a black football player. I mean, you, you can't understand the low-life mentality. Liam Jones, 21, going on three, I suspect. 84850, uk. Am I the only one a bit bored with Leveson? I I'm sorry about it. You know, I'm sorry that celebrities got their phones hacked. I'm sorry that people listened into their boring conversations. You know, I'm very... I mean, it, it, it does seem that for the ordinary people who got hijacked, it's been... They've been hijacked by the celebrities. It's turned into, it was only celebrities. Well, it wasn't. It was loads of other people. But this phone hacking thing, anybody will tell you, they, this went on for donkey's years. We were in Fleet Street back in 79, and I was aware of it then. That's what they did. They listened into people's phone calls. That's how they got some of the stories of the post. I don't understand why people make a big fuss about it. If it's, if it's ruined your career, and you've suffered as a result, well, then fair enough. But, by God, we seem to spend most of our time now in litigation in this country. You know, most of the time, oh, we go to court. Going to court, you know, don't like... Somebody called me a fat Australian. Go to court! Well, go to bloody court, then. I'm, I'm so bored with these people. It is just ridiculous. I thought the whole idea was, you know, that we have free, exuberant media. And how they get a story, I couldn't care less. I'm sorry. It's, I mean, it might seem very harsh, but I couldn't give a stuff if people have been hacked. Don't make any difference to my life. Don't make any difference to their life, either. I don't notice people suffering. It just gives them more opportunity to spout dribble on the television. They just, you know, they pitch up, it's the same people. Oh, this is dreadful, you know, it's an infringement. Well, I mean, what sort of conversations are these people having? I just, you know, the sort of... And why are they leaving it on voicemail? I mean, what sort of, you know, the, the conversations you can only imagine. You know, my, my conversations are, hi, how are you? What have you done today? I mean, you know, and so so she'll say, oh, today we did so-and-so, so-and-so. And I'll go, yeah, I did... So- oh, I had a really good interview today with so And this is how our conversations go. And then I'll go, oh, by the way, I've got a, I've got a new um, booking and uh, I've got a new new celebrity coming in, I think next week, week after. Billy Crystal's coming in for In Conversation. And so I said, oh, I've got Billy Crystal coming in. She goes, oh, what? I mean, if somebody wants to hack that, please hack it. Please hack it. I'd be more than happy to share my conversations with the entire world. And most of them are, hi, Steve here, just calling for a chat. Call me back when you can. That's all it would be, isn't it? But, I mean, would you ever leave a voicemail going, OK, my bank account number is 37125660. I think I've just slept with an underage girl. Yeah, it was dreadful. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, I know, it's awful. Call, call me back if, if you can. I mean, you know, <laughs> who leaves those sort of conversations? You wouldn't leave a voicemail that was going to incriminate you in any way, shape or form. You don't do stuff like that now. And yet all these celebrities, out they come... Dr- you know, they've been given good money, these people. How you evaluate this, you know... Perhaps they stand in court and cry, I don't know. But I know, for one, most of the British... But you ask anybody in any pub, Lake the Breadth of the Land, what do you think about it? They go, couldn't give a stuff. 
couldn't give us stuff, you know, but they've done pages and pages and pages of it in the newspaper, mainly because it's the newspapers who are going to be coughing up for it. Sadly, today, the guest columnist is, oh, my God, they've overmade you up, haven't they? Nadine Doris, how you find time to do this, write books and be a good uh, person to look after your constituents is totally beyond me. But I'm sure you'll manage somewhere. But I think we've had enough of you, darling. I really think. I've had enough of Dean Gaffney as well. Ugh, ghastly person. Ghastly person. After that stupid comment the other day, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a spy. You know, MI5, MI6, they must be looking at you going, you're having a laugh, aren't you? Listen, you were chronically bad in EastEnders. You don't think you're going to be any better as a spy. And unfortunately, because everybody's going to know it's you, they're going, oh, look, Dean Gaffney's following us. Hi, Dean. Hi. Wait, he's, he's taking a photograph. Anyway, mm, do I look good? Look, do I take a picture, Dean? Because he's a spy. I mean, you know, and more of course, what they've done to make him look even more ridiculous, because the editor, Dominic Monaghan, said the other day, he said, because he's, he's not working, so he's obviously looking for something. So they've pictured him with, with two tall models. So he, of course, looks like a midget. Poor soul. In the... <laughs> Never mind, Dean. It's, it's your bit of fame, isn't it? Cut it out, put it in your scrapbook, and just go and do an Agatha Christie. I mean, I can't, I can't see him being old enough to be an Agatha Christie thing. Although I did watch Great Expectations the other day, and it's got, um, it's got loads of people in it, loads of famous people, including David Walliams. And it's got Helena Bonham Carter, who plays Miss Havisham, who all of a sudden has become quite glamorous. <laughs> Miss Havisham is very, very glamorous. Ray Fiennes is in it. I mean, there's everybody. It's, a, it's an all-star stellar cast. And I'll be talking to one member of the stellar cast a little bit later on this morning for In Conversation. Apart from that, what did I do yesterday? Went to my accountant. Do you know, we spent half an hour talking about about sort of famous actresses and people that we know and people we've met I'm the most famous person on his books now. I'm the most famous person on his books. But, uh, so I, I don't... No, don't tell him about you, dear. No. Producer thinks I'm talking about her. I never mention you at all. I do you in phone messages to people. I say she's in again. Barking mad, you know, as per usual. But, um... No, so we ended up talking about all sorts of things, and he was telling me a very sad story. Of face- he said, you don't do Facebook, do you? And I said, no. He said, it's really dangerous. He said, it is so dangerous. I'll, I'll give you a rough idea of what the, of what the story is. It, it involves a friend of his. OK, no names, no, no pack drill. Drum me out the brownies if I tell a lie. And, oh, I'll have to take a short break. Then I'll, I'll tell you about this story because it goes to prove how dangerous Facebook can be. And I only tell you because we've seen people bullied on Facebook. Girls and boys at school have committed suicide. They've taken their own lives because they've been bullied by internet trolls. And even after somebody's taken their own life, the internet trolls do not stop. They keep going. Luckily, it's now an offence. And the police are very keen to get people into court. Uh, yesterday, I passed two phone numbers on to the police uh, because I thought, I've, I've decided, I think we're going to have you arrested and we're going to have you charged. And, you know, we, we've done it before and we've had prosecution, so I'm looking forward to another two. So two people yesterday who texted the show, I'm afraid uh, your numbers have gone to the police. And uh, I'm so looking forward to seeing you in court. I, you know, it's going to just make me so happy because we're going to take all my fans down there and we're going to point and jeer and laugh at you and then you'll go to prison. LBC 97.3 And Nick Ferrari this morning looking ahead to the big reveal by Lord Justice Leveson, a bus strike. Oh, dear duty at North London. Nick will bring you updates to help commuters on their way to work. I'll give you a rundown later of what's not running. In fact, I'll, give, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll get it up for you on the internet in a, in a few minutes and I'll tell you exactly how it's going to affect you this morning. I think it's, it's only North London, so uh, the rest of us are not, uh, not, too, not too worried. And hopefully it shouldn't be too many buses. Uh, plus, Top Gear legends Jeremy Clarkson and James May will join Nick in the studio. Tim Luckhurst will be looking at the papers. 
and uh, he's uh, head of Centre for Journalism at the University of Kent and a former BBC executive. Mm. Lovely. All of that and more. So these are the bus routes affected, OK? Uh, the 29, Wood Green to Trafalgar Square with the N29 night bus service. The 34, which is Barnet Church to Walthamstow Central. 38, Victoria Station to Clapton Pond with the N38 night bus service. The 41, Archway to Tottenham Hale Station with the N41 night bus They've all got night bus services. 73 with the N73, Victoria Station to Stoke Newington. 76, with the night bus put in, Waterloo Station to Tottenham Garage. The 78, Shoreditch, Culvert Avenue to Nunhead. And uh, the 102, Edmonton Green Station to Brent Cross Shopping Centre. The 121, Turnpike Lane Station to Enfield Island Village. And the 123, Ilford High Street to Wood Green Station. Those are the buses affected this morning in North London and likely to be affected. OK, so more people are going to be using the tube stations, Victoria, Seven Sisters, Tottenham Hale, Wood Green and Turnpike Lane. So that's going to be busier than usual because the buses take a lot of people off the uh, off the roads and, uh, and onto them. OK, 84850, uk. Uh, another one here. This is, oh, actually, it's brilliant. This is from uh, from Lee. He's probably just finished uh, working, actually, I should imagine, doing... Uh, was it roulette last night we were doing? Lee does roulette. He says, you're on one tonight. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the Harrison uh, Hool coffee shops. We had an incident in our one in Twickenham yesterday. I don't know what it was, but there was a police car with a blue flashing light outside. So, anyway, so there's a story about Facebook. Let me tell you the story about Facebook. And and so it's... I, I won't give you any names or anything else, but I'll, I'll give you a rough idea. Uh, a friend of a friend... Uh, has a flat in Bristol and rents it out to a woman who pays a deposit. Okay, that's all she does. She doesn't pay rent for eight months. It happens at a lot. If you rent out property, the chances are you're going to get some scrote who's going to come in there and uh, and move in and not pay any rent whatsoever. And you've got a devil of a job to get them out. Now, I would always use, let's just call it a firm of people. I know people that can come and move people out of flats very quickly indeed. And so anyway, so he had this trouble with this woman and eventually they struck a deal and he said, you will go. So uh, on the morning, he's there waiting, waiting with his hand out, ready to take, take the keys back. And she gets out of his flat. No, he's confronted by three yardies who turn up, promptly kick the living daylights out of him, throw him in the back of the van, which is there waiting to take her furniture away, and they drive him to the cash point. They want money. He, uh, he obviously goes to the cash point. He says, what is it? They ask for £1,000. He doesn't have £1,000, and the cash point will only give him £250, which is you know, most people's average daily allowance. And uh, so he gives them £250 and they go away. He contacts the police. As he's being bundled into the back of the car, he dials 999. And the police urge him to take these people to court. And so, consequently, he uh, he decides he will. In the meanwhile, he gets phone calls and everything else uh, about, you know, I wouldn't take this to court because they'll come after you and they'll, they'll kill you. They have no hesitation in this kind of thing. You know, members of Yardie gangs, they're not the not, not most intelligent in the world, let's put it that way. But they, they sort of rule by fear and intimidation. So they go through this charade. Anyway, he decides that he's going to go with it. He goes for a prosecution. He goes for it, and he decides that, yes, he is going to go to court with it. They go to court. He decides that the criminal prosecution service are worse than useless. The barristers haven't really done their job properly. And the Yardies have been a little bit cleverer than he is. And what they've done is 
they'd gone to his Facebook account and they'd taken all the things off it. And they'd go, listen, we wouldn't do anything to this man. We know him. He's told us all about this. And they started quoting chapter and verse of things that he'd put on the Facebook account, which made it look as though he'd been really friendly with them and chatted about these things, which, of course, he hadn't. They picked it up from Facebook. In the end, case thrown out of court. Case thrown out of court. So he's moved elsewhere because he fears for his life quite, uh, quite rightly. And that's the danger of Facebook. As my accountant said yesterday, um, you know, and, it's, and it, it, it bears thinking about, why would you want to put down going out for dinner with my friends, putting petrol in the car, here's me at a nightclub, here's me, we're all going out on the town. Why would you want to put that on Facebook? I only ever Twitter anything after I've done it. I never do it when I'm doing it. We, we, we might write it when we're doing it, but we, we post it after we've done the thing. Because it's, it's different, but on Facebook, God, blimey, there's some really awful people. Really, really awful people. Uh, 84840, Steve at LBC. Um, nothing, nothing. Mark says, uh, well done, Steve. Nothing more gutless than being an internet troll. Oh, absolutely. Actually, no, they, they generally are people who hide. They're, they're a bit... They... They actually fit a profile. The police said to me there's a profile of these people. They generally don't have many friends. They're, they're generally quite lonely. Um, and they, they sort of live in a, in a bit of a fantasy world. They generally have jobs that mean that they're a little bit solitary or failing that they don't work at all. Generally not old. They're generally sort of, you know, they aren't attractive. They don't hold down relationships. And, uh, and they're mainly, mainly men, strange enough. Sometimes men pretending to be women, but they're generally, you know, called... Well, let's just, let's just not call them anything, shall we, this morning. But, uh, but they're all out there. Oh, my God, what the dickens is that? That's another picture of Robbie Williams. I wish Robbie Williams had stopped trying to look butch. I hope he doesn't come back and live in this country. Oh, dear. Dreadful. Uh, 84850. Uh, Georgina says, you do make me laugh, Steve. There you go. I love that. Well, that's all we, that's all we care about. Listen, everybody's listening to this programme. At this time of the morning, everybody, every single, even people on other radio stations are listening to this programme, which is what I like. Down the, uh, down the road the other day, not for me, but in Devon, ran an emu, a four-foot emu. It had escaped from a house where it was kept in a paddock. I have to ask the question, who keeps an emu in a paddock in their garden? What sort of prat would do that? I mean, I can't... I've, an emu in the garden? It's like somebody who, who pitched a... Sorry? An emu, it's like an ostrich. They give you a nasty peck, I believe. But, but you wouldn't have one. I mean, I believe you can eat them. I believe you can sort of... If Colonel Sanders had discovered these before chickens, the boxes would have been blooming enormous. But uh, they had to chase it down the street the other day because it had escaped. It was trying to go into a house through the letterbox. I don't know, whatever it was trying to do, it, it didn't get in there. But they ended up catching it and sort of getting it back. I mean, a, you know, a, a quick... A, a kick from one of these things can literally break your legs. They're that, they're that powerful. And I was talking the other day to somebody. Who was talking about horses? We were talking about horses because my goddaughter had a nasty experience with a horse. And somebody else the other day. Who the dickens was it? I was talking to somebody about it. And they were saying that they'd been uh, with a horse and it had kicked them. They were standing around the back and the horse had just kicked them. Broke their legs. I mean, and I said, but you've only got to look at horses to realise they're, they're, they're all muscle in the back. You know, in, in those back legs and in the front legs. You don't, you don't want a horse to roll on top of you. You know, you're going to come off the worst. At, at, at best, you're going to escape with broken ribs and a neck and everything else. But at worst, you could die. 
That's why, you know, you, you look at these things coming down, when they go down, they're awful. But when they kick you, whew, you better watch out. You really better watch out. Not good at all. <coughs> um, what have we got here? This is... Uh, oh, yes, apart from... I was trying to find more stories, actually, uh, to do with celebrity. We're a bit thin on the ground. Apart from the fact that I'm a celebrity did a stunt the other day, which everybody said was the cruelest ever. They had some doors, and behind it was Charlie Brooks' daughter. She's attractive. And, uh, and, and if she got, got the question right, then the daughter could be reunited with the mummy, briefly. And, uh, and then they went, no, she didn't get the question right, so... Computer said, no, so you can't see your mummy. And they went, isn't that really cruel? I didn't think so, I laughed. I thought it was quite funny, actually. I mean, you know, you shouldn't let your daughter go out there anyway. She's, uh, she's only young, she's only seven, I think, or something like that. And apparently left Charlie Brooks broken-hearted. Well, ha, 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 I couldn't give a stuff. You're out there for forty, fifty thousand pounds, love. You must know what the programme is. I mean, surely, you, you know, you can't be... You keep looking at these people, they go, oh, it's horrible, I'm having a breakdown, I'm having this and that. I see that good old uh, Helen Flanagan pitched up the other day on the television. Amazing how she's recovered from that depression. Oh, didn't that go out the window quickly? Obviously, the agent said, you better listen, stop it. There are now rumours that you're faking it. Try and get on television. Try and, try and oil your way back into Coronation Street. So that's what she did yesterday. She sat there doing her, well, at least they've left the door open for me. Yes, love. But at the end of it, you open the door and it goes into nothing. You just fall out of the edge of the cliff and you're gone. Because it'll be up to them to decide whether they put you back in. And at the moment, they don't need to put you back in. They've got more than enough going on. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Dean Gaffney would be the perfect face as the new face of the Rice Krispie box. Yes, he's, uh, he's not blessed with the best of skin. I've only ever met him once. I've only ever met him once. And I just remember looking, he was wearing white jeans and a white shirt and he looked a bit grubby. He looked like, you know, the clothes looked grubby. And that was at, um... What party was that one? Oh, that was the party which had Victoria Beckham, David Beckham. Uh, we were all there. It was all the celebs. I went with Barbara and, you know, everything. Although that was the funny party, you remember. Pitched up in my car and the security went, uh, I'd just like to park the car over there, sir, sir, after you've dropped your passengers. I said, I'm with them, fat boy. God, dear. Uh, um, what else here? Uh, one says, uh, just as before you cheer me up. Thank you very much indeed. Yes, we do, we do, we like to cheer people up first thing, but we like to wind people up as well. That's actually, that's quite an easy thing to do first thing in the morning. Very, very good indeed. True story about Dean Gaffney. Was with a friend's young daughter who spotted him and asked for his autograph. He had to do it twice as he missed out one of the, uh, one of the F's in his surname. <laughs> I've done that before. You sign them very quickly. I, I bumped into somebody yesterday. I was, com- I was talking to Joe Pike because we'd just done the recordings in the studio, and he, he decided to go and get uh, some breakfast. So he was going to get a cup of coffee here, but uh, there was such a queue, and so he said, oh, I'll go down to Pret-a-Manger. So we walked down there, we're having a chat outside Pret-a-Manger, and these two um, guys walked past. I knew they were sort of something to do with telecommunications, because they had the belt with all the bits and pieces on it, you know. And, and one, he, he was fairly butch. He was like, like a big bloke like that. And he walked past, and as he walked past, you know when you know somebody knows who you are? Because he said to his mate, I think that's Steve. And so he walked further. Anyway, I carried on chatting to Joe, and, and you know, then Joe said, all right, we go. I said, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. And then this bloke was saying, Steve, Steve, he said, just want to say, mate, he said, I listen to you every morning. I said, what do you do? I think he said he was in telecommunications. I forgot to get his name. But he knows who he is, and he was outside Pret the other day. And, uh, and he said he listens. So, 
That's that's adding another one onto the list. I'm quite happy actually. Wee big up for Steve Allen. Uh, I haven't seen Stephen Fry in Twelfth Night. Not a bad production. He wasn't great. Won't be tweeting that in case he goes missing in Belgium. But his co-star Mark Rylance playing Olivia was fantastic. Yes, so it has had great, great reviews. We'll go through the uh, papers again in a minute and find out some more stories. I'm trying to find something that is going to put a smile on your face. And at the moment, it's a bit thin on the ground. Apart from OK had their Christmas party last night. Don't want to break it to you, but it was particularly low rent. Kerry Coke Toner and Chantel. I mean, you know, really? Oh, good. You walk into a party, they go, oh, Kerry Coke Toner and Chantel. And you go, goodbye. And you walk straight out. Who is Kerry Coke Toner? Oh, well, Chantel doesn't look at all recognisable. There again, I mean, she just is getting quite old now, but bear in mind, she's had a lot of stress, a lot of stress. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast at 4.30. Morning. Thank you to all the people, actually. A couple of people have sent me this morning, having, having told you that now it's an offence. It is a criminal offence to bombard anybody with abuse or hate mail or anything like that. And if proof were needed... Uh, one uh, radio presenter who went to court. I'll tell you now, it was Ian Lee. And uh, a man phoned him three times a week. He's, he's, a, he's a, a supposed counsellor, OK? And uh, his name is Mr Wilkins. Mr Wilkins, Samuel Wilkins, is an Ofcom worker and village counsellor. Uh, he's also a children's charity trustee. He's quite clearly got quite a few screws loose. He bombarded... Uh, Ian Lee with uh, with messages, uh, hate messages, abuse and everything else. Anyway, the judge has decided enough is enough and he's been sent to prison. <laughs> Fantastic. There'll be a few more heading that way very shortly, let me tell you. And uh, the councillor phoned him three times a week, bombarded him with nuisance calls and um, he uh, he was abusive generally to Mr Lee. And so the judge has decided that off to prison you go, Samuel Wilkins, a rather stupid little lowlife and somebody who shouldn't be trusted anywhere near. You know, if that's the kind of stuff you're writing, I wouldn't want you anywhere near a children's charity. Thank you very much indeed. So uh, be warned. Be warned. The judge is jailed now. He's gone to prison for eight weeks, but his life will now be destroyed. He'll be dropped from the children's charity straight away. So thank you to the couple of people who sent that in to me. That made the, uh, the Daily Mail, which is good. Uh, 84850, dot uk. Uh, Hugo was evicted, apparently. I didn't know that Hugo was evicted from the jungle. They seem to be evicting all the ones I thought would, would make it all the way through. I seriously thought two days ago that Rosemary Schrager would, would make it. I said, well, actually, just going back just briefly to Mr Wilkins, who's been jailed, who's in prison now, you know, sitting there pondering on the, uh, the actions of him and, and how his life has now been ruined completely. Uh, he was phoned up by the lawyers from the radio station to say, if you carry on with this, we're, we're now taking it further. But he carried on doing it because he wasn't intelligent enough. He was too stupid to realise that the lawyers of big radio stations, they, they do take this quite seriously. And so uh, off to prison he went. And we all laughed. We all laughed. I bet he's not married. Uh, 84850, steve at So I didn't know that Hugo was evicted until I read the papers. I thought he was OK. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't anything special. Rosemary Schrager, I thought, was going to stay. Brian Connolly, uh, I don't know. They should have realised that Brian, you know, isn't there all the time. And so that, that would make it difficult. Helen Flanagan, she, she was a bit of a laugh to start with, and then it all went a bit pear-shaped, and you don't really care about it. Nadine Doris, disappeared. Disappeared completely. Who else we kicked out? The next one, I suspect, could be Eric Bristow, because he's not a nice person. 
He's really not a nice person. And uh, he, he was bullying. He was, some people go in there and they don't realise what they're doing. They, and they, they then blame the TV company, even though they've all signed disclaimers. You know, they tie them up in knots in these programmes. You signed this, and if you read the small print, and I shouldn't imagine Eric Bristow is able to read, so I shouldn't imagine he's read all the little tiny words in it. Like, I haven't read all the little tiny words in my, in my um, contract. I haven't, I've, never read, I've never read a contract. All I look at is how long it runs for, what the fee is, and then I, then I sign it. Because I said to my accountant yesterday, I said, I'm going to show you the contract. I said, I've never read one in my life. I'll br- bring one in for you. You can have a look at it. Because it's, they're now pages. They're, they're, very sort of, they're very sort of watertight for all sorts of things. You know, protecting, I suppose, both, uh, both parties. Uh, no frost this morning, but very cold, very cold. And my friend Ant Payne, on our sister station Capital, he said to me, he said, have you heard? It's because he thinks he's getting a cold again. So he's, he's, he's back on sort of all his medication, his Barocca. Is it Barocca? Yeah, Barocca tablets. He's, he's gone for the new ones. That's, that's a different colour. His, his, his sort of berry Barocca or something. But anyway, he's, he's on that again, because he cycles in in the morning. This morning he didn't, because he didn't feel very well. And so they brought it, and he thinks it's going to be a really bad winter. He said they've said this year that the temperature is going to plummet. And uh, it's, you know... It's, if, we, if we suffer, we suffer. Although, as I pointed out the other day, they've cut down the Christmas tree in Norway, no snow. So either it's going to come down quick. I mean, if it came down now, all those people who've been flooded. And there was one, the worst one for me, the worst one, was a lady of 84 who refused to leave her house when the flood water rose and she drowned. She just had to sit there. She was housebound. Nobody went and got her out. That's what amazed me. What sort of neighbours has this poor woman got when people go and they go, listen, we need to move you upstairs or do something. And so she sat there and drowned. I mean, that that must be the worst thing ever. You keep trying to imagine what these, these things were like years ago. They used to do it on the Thames. We used to have executions on the Thames. People would be at the pub, the other side of the river, and they would chain up the poor hapless person, and it was down around Puddle Dock. They'd chain them up and just wait for the tide to come in. And the tide would come in and they'd drown the people. Yeah, woo, look at that, woo. People drinking and having a bit of fun. Ridiculous. Karen says, I heard on a radio yesterday, a man had rung up to say he felt hanging should be brought back and backdated. Yes. I don't know, we've had this, this discussion before, haven't we, about hanging, and we're, we're not really sure whether or not it would, it would solve anything. It, it's quite clearly not a deterrent. If you said to somebody, right, we're, we're bringing back hanging, and, uh, and, and we will hang people for murders of policemen, for young children, for rape, whatever it happens to be, it wouldn't deter anybody, because the people who perpetrate these crimes are mentally ill. They've got no idea. It doesn't make any difference to them. I mean, let's face it, if you can actually... Uh, if you can actually jail somebody for sending offensive texts now, and they've already been warned by the lawyers and they carry on doing it, they're quite clearly a bit stupid, aren't they? I mean, they quite clearly aren't all there in the head department. They've got one or two screws missing. And so that's why he's been sent to prison. Uh, first time one's been sent to prison. They've been named and shamed before now, but uh, first time I've heard of one sent to prison. But now the, uh, the judges are saying, and the courts, that they are, they are jailing for this. They're not putting up with it anymore. But this, this man was running a... He's a children's charity trustee. Oh, dear, I don't think so. I don't think so. We don't want him anywhere near children when he writes that, that kind of stuff to somebody. Especially as he made a comment about Ian Lee's son. I mean, that just means he's, he needs taken out and flogging. But mind you, in prison, he'll probably get a little bit of that sort of action. Don't you think so? I quite like it. I feel, you know, that justice would have been done if he sort of... He goes in there and some big butch bloke stands at the cell door and goes, uh, I'm looking after you for the eight weeks you're in here, mate. And you go, 
That'll be nice. He'll, he'll have a new boyfriend when he comes out, put it that way. He'll probably be riding side saddle. Uh, arguing parents can give children teenage depression. Do you know, everybody's got depression now. I feel like I'm suffering from it myself at times. Everybody's got it, haven't they? Everybody's got depression. And now, if parents argue, children, children actually suffer from, from depression as a result of it. There was a sad case of a husband who killed his wife. His son was so depressed, he went out and hanged himself. And you think, that takes some doing, that. It takes some doing. You know, people have been fed up before. But, you know, to actually do it. And he was only 16. Uh, I see that um, Paula Hamilton uh, is, is, I mean, she's a bit of a waste of space, I'm afraid. Paula Hamilton, all these so-called models, she pitched up on the television. I mean, she was going great years and years ago. She was in the iconic car commercial. And now she's been banned from driving after drunkenly crashing into a neighbour's conservatory. She's a pathetic waste of space. I've got no sympathy whatsoever for people who drink and drive. You're a sad drunk, Paula. You really are. Get yourself sorted out, for God's sake. I mean, nobody cares about you. At least I'm being caring by saying get yourself sorted out. But people who drink, you can't do anything about it, can you? I mean, she was a family... You know, she's, uh, she was the product of an affair her mother had with a family friend. Never settled at school. And, um, and then she said she lost her virginity to Simon Cowell. God, too much information this time of the morning, isn't it? I don't think we can cope with things like that. I mean, I'm not sure whether, whether my little body can go, go down that route. Valentino says <clears throat> he was on the television yesterday. He's butch. Why are British theatre-goers so scruffy? And so what he's actually got... He says people go to the theatre now in uh, jackets and T-shirts and shorts and sandals. Yeah. Listen, it doesn't matter, Valentino. I know, you know, darling, in your world, everybody's so smart and so... You know, because you have loads of money. But no, they, everybody have loads of money. You know, it was it was ridiculous. You know, nobody sort of ever sort of worried about that. Nobody ever, ever bothered about, you know, whether or not we wear this and we wear that. It doesn't matter, does it? What you wear to go to the theatre. What you wear to go to the theatre means that at least you put a bum on a seat. So I don't really care whether or not you go in a pair of plimsolls, a pair of shorts and a scarf round your neck. And I have seen worse... I have seen, I have seen worse, I'm afraid. So, consequently, if somebody actually goes to theatre and they're very smartly dressed, they stand out. I tend to look at somebody who's really smart. On first nights, you go there and you, and you look at somebody and you think, blimey, you've really dressed up for this. You've really, really dressed up for this. And, and then you sort of, and then you look at somebody else who hasn't dressed up and you think, yeah, but who's the most comfortable? You see, Valentino's world, he dresses smartly all the time. He, you know, that's, I mean, he wouldn't go out in a pair of shorts and flip-flops. That's not what he wear. He would be smart. He would be like any of the big fashion house designers. He would be there smart. So to him, it's, it's quite normal to wear, and I saw him being interviewed on the television yesterday. They've got this catwalk um, installation where they've got lots of his outfits that he's designed for the rich and the powerful. And he looked immaculate. He looked absolutely, but then that's what he wears every day. He looks immaculate all the time. All these fashion people do. It's only, it's only other people like us. It's all these other people who sort of don't, who don't bother to dress up. I don't dress up to go to the theatre. I might put a, a jacket on. Well, I won't actually even put a jacket on. I've just realised I don't. Why would you put a jacket on then a coat over the top if you're cold? So you end up putting just a jacket on with your bits and pieces in your pocket and a packet of peppermints. And that's about the extent of it, I'm afraid. <laughs> 84850, uk. Uh, is this Helen Flanagan keep it video going to be different from the rest and worth buying for a gift? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You must buy it. Yes, really. 
And uh, this is a stupid person writing in. Yes, you must really buy it as a gift. You really must. This is somebody who's not all there in the brain department, I'm afraid. And uh, let's see if they have a name. Sadly, they don't have a name. They don't have a name. Isn't it funny? Why don't these people have names? But well, they're not... Well, they're not. Oh, Billy in Cheshire. Dear. Yes, it's worth buying for you, Billy. You sound about 97, I should imagine. And uh, another one here. It says, you call Kerry Coke Toner. Shouldn't you have a name for Chantel? Um, Shamtel? As in sham life relationships? I don't, oh, I don't know. Shamtel. Could be, actually. She always looks so unhappy. She looks so unhappy. And I don't know why... You know, she looks unhappy all the time. Because really, it was, you know... She's just... She's, she's been married, hasn't she? She got married to um, that bloke off the reality show she went on to for Preston. And then that finished. Then Preston's career disappeared. And then... And then Chantel's career disappeared. So I suppose Chantel... Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I'm not... I'm not totally there. Not totally there. 84850, uk. There's uh, other stories. That, so, so having now decided that you're all very, very scruffy, um, it's, it's not very good. There is another awful story in the paper today about uh, an absolutely lovely woman called Joyce Moulson. Joyce is 84. She's not seeing Christmas this year. Why? I'll tell you after this. London's biggest conversation. So here's this lady. She's a grandmother. Her name's Joyce Moulson. Joyce isn't going to see Christmas this year. She's dead. She's 84. Didn't die of natural causes, we don't think. We're waiting for the results of a post-mortem. Because uh, she collapsed and died after Yobbs targeted her house where she lives in Bradford. She'd been plagued by antisocial youths hanging around on the street outside the home. Uh, she fell ill at home ten minutes after a window pane on a front door was smashed on Tuesday evening. They threw a brick through it. And you, you have to ask the question, where are the parents of these little toe rags? Why don't we drag the parents into court and hang them? Why don't we just do something sensible? Do you know how old these youths are who have now been arrested and questioned by police? 13 years old, two of them, and two are 12. And they throw a brick through somebody's window. And, and you have to ask yourself the question, are these just feral children? Are they just irritating little people who need locking up? Or do we have to send them on a holiday and give their parents lots of money to make sure they have a lovely Christmas because their mother slept around and had loads and loads of children? You know, what do we have to do to sort something out? What of the family of poor Joyce Moulson, 84 and now dead, lying cold in a mortuary because four little children are now charged with manslaughter at 12 and 13? 12 and 13. We've seen this before, haven't we? 12 and 13-year-olds. It must be that age where they kind of twist themselves and they go, you know, a little bit barking mad. I know that the, uh, the police have said we want to deal with this very, very quickly. Uh, apparently youths were always jumping onto the wall of a house. Imagine, 84, you've managed to get through everything. You've been through the war, you've been through rationing, you've been through, you know, generally people not being particularly pleasant, and now you get people jumping on and off on your wall because you're 84. You feel like saying, well, where are the neighbours helping her out? Where is this community spirit that we're so constantly being told about is in this country? Where is it? Where's the, where's the short, sharp shock treatment in the courts? Get these toe rags off the street fast as possible. Somebody starts jumping up and down and doing monkey noises in the stand, and the police take him in, and what do they do? Nothing. He's out on bail. I'd have had him locked up in the cell for the next ten years. Little boxing, fighting, champion, cage fighter, whatever he is. And we, we put up with it. The courts are far too lenient. Far too, you could literally could mow down an entire bus queue here full of school children and you'd probably get sort of, you know, time off for good behaviour. It's terrible, really, isn't it? When you think about this poor woman. I think about the family of these people. 
who were going to go round there, and there might be kids hanging around the street corner. You're going to be looking at them thinking, was it you? Was it you? Because I want to run you down. I really do. Philip says a Dirk and Edna coming to you for Christmas. Well, you know that Edna's, Edna's passed on, I'm afraid. It's just Dirk now. Edna's, uh, Edna's gone. She went, uh, went a couple of Christmases ago now, I'm afraid. Which is, uh, which is not, not particularly good, I'm afraid. Not particularly good. Uh, 84850, Yes, yeah, so Dirk and Edna used to feature on the programme all the time, actually. All the time. And uh, very sweet they were, too. He was a bit balmy. He was a bit balmy. <clears throat> Somebody's complained bitterly about the turning on of the lights somewhere because they've managed to get... Um, who's the bloke who did I am the one and only? That was... Hawks. Somebody... Oh, I can't remember his name now. Chesney Hawks. And they've said... They're actually really unhappy about him doing it because they've said, who's Chesney Hawks? He went... Well, he had a hit single, and he's coming to turn on the Christmas lights, and he's being very gracious about it, and he's doing it nicely. So they've complained, they said they're going to boo him when he turns on the lights. I thought, Chesney, don't do it. Don't do it. Very upsetting, isn't it? Because they can't find anybody else. Because they can't find anybody else for, uh, for, the, for the light turning on. And the council have said we asked him, and he was free. And that, of course, is the big thing for turning on the Christmas lights. Some people get paid for it. Some people don't get paid for it. I was delighted to see that uh, in Twickenham today, Len Smiths have quite clearly had a had a discussion, shall we put it, with the person who put the lights up. You know, putting solar lights on a Christmas tree is nothing short of rank stupidity, I'm afraid, and only by the uh, the uneducated in the Christmas light department. So they've changed the lights on. You couldn't see anything. They didn't even last but five minutes. It's uh, It's just... Or absolutely awful, I'm afraid. Absolutely awful. 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. Um, what's this? Oh, yes, so there's a jet. They're, think, they're thinking of, of, of making this jet, which can fly from London to Sydney in less than five hours, which means it'll be going at about 4,000 miles an hour. Sounds good fun, doesn't it? I quite like that. I quite like that. I think that's a good idea. It'll take, they say, 300 passengers. 4,000 miles an hour. God, what a noise that's going to make over the sky. That's going to go through the sound barrier, isn't it? <laughs> I remember the noise Concorde used to make. People used to say, oh, you couldn't tell it was Concorde. You bloody well could if you lived underneath it. But it was the best sight. It was the best sight. It really looked as though we'd moved into the, into the Dan Dare 21st century when Concorde went over. I loved it. <clears throat> I never went on it. Uh, never went on it at all. I had friends who worked it, and somebody got me the last brochure from uh, from when it was uh, it was flying. It was lovely. It looked very small. I don't know if any of you listening actually went uh, home to Australia or anywhere else on Concord. I never did. I'd love to have done it. God, that would have been absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I couldn't afford it at the time. <laughs> Not a lot you could do about that, is there? Eight four eight five zero. And uh, my partner is an IT consultant for the Inland Revenue, says uh, Hasnain. One of the things she is is an administrator password for Facebook. She has. Why, you may ask? Well, it's because so the revenue can go through and see how you spend your money. You'd be surprised the number of people who show off, how many holidays they take, even boasting they bought a Ferrari or a yacht. And the revenue is certainly reading everything. Well, of course they are, if they've got the time. But they're woefully undermanned, I'm afraid, at the revenue. I know that at the moment. Because I remember talking to a friend of mine who works for the Refugee, and he said they can't cope at the moment. It's very difficult. But they, they do check things. And if people boast about, oh, I've just bought this and that, they go, wait a minute, let's have a check. No, 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 it's not on your tax return, is it? Not in your tax return at all. Uh, my daughter, 
says David Miles over in Orlando, where it's probably baking hot at the moment. God help her, he said, lives in Kings Lynn. And she lives her life on Facebook. I have warned her about the dangers, but to no avail. However, Facebook is the main way I find out what's going on in her life. I'd rather get a phone call. You're right, David. It's absolutely... I don't know why people tell people things on there that you're, you're telling, in many cases, perfect strangers. You're telling perfect strangers what you're doing in your life. And some of it is, you know, here's, here's a picture of my car, here's a picture of this, here's a picture of all the money I've just made, here's a picture of my dinner. I never know why people want to Facebook a picture of their dinner. I was a little bit worried about it. I was checking the Twitter account of Ant Payne, who follows me on, on Twitter, and he had a, <laughs> he had a tube of toothpaste and, um, and, uh, and a tube of Veet hair removal cream. I couldn't quite work out the significance of it. I keep meaning to ask him every morning about, like, so wait a minute, so you've got the Veet and you've got the uh, the tube of toothpaste. When do these two come together? I think he said something along the lines, you know, if, if you mess them up or, you know, things could be a little bit, uh, a little bit difficult. Um, oh dear. Trying to find something, you know, amusing in the papers this morning is a bit difficult. There is, there's a lovely picture of Sophia Loren at 78. 78. Wow. 78. Good God. Still looks amazing. Must be something about Italian blood. Something about it, because she looks fantastic. Well, yesterday, as you know, I did Priscilla Presley. I'm afraid I had to fall. I had to say to her, because I was just... I kept looking, thinking, it's the wife of Elvis Presley. (laughs) She married Elvis Presley. She lived at Graceland. She went on tour. She knows everything. She knows everything about Elvis Presley. Every single thing about him. All the questions you dare not ask. About Elvis Presley, about, you know, what was he really like? You know, don't give me the soft soap thing. What was he really like? That's what I love to have done. But she, I think, is 67. Well, she don't look it, let me tell you. She doesn't look it. I know quite clearly she's obviously had some work done. But uh, she was lovely. Nothing is preparing her for pantomime, I can now reveal to you. She's at the new Wimbledon Theatre. Warwick Davis is there. He was lovely. He's lovely. He was in Willow... I think he was an Ewok in Star Wars. He's also now currently starring in An Idiot Abroad. He's had his own autobiography. He's got a comedy show out. Loads of things. Loads of things. Genuinely, we had a, a really nice chat, the three of us. It was, it was good fun. But I, I, did, I did sort of veer towards Priscilla Presley. So they're at the new Wimbledon Theatre. They're rehearsing at the moment. She said, I thought rehearsals were tough enough. And she's got two shows a day to do. Two shows a day. She's something like 60 shows they're going to be doing. I said... You're going to be very tired, I promise you, by the end of it. She said, do you think? I said, yeah, do you drink? She said, should I start? I said, I'd start drinking. I said, Warwick could be there in the wings, pouring you another large body, I think, to get you through the next bit. Because he's having to learn dances and songs, because in all pantomimes, so you're going to get Warwick Davis singing, Gang Man style. And he's gonna, he's, I said, he's, he's been, he told me he had to learn it in Korean. I said, in Korean? He said, yeah. I've got to learn it in Korean. And it just made me laugh. It, every, everything he said made me laugh. He's just got one... He's, he's naturally funny, but without... You know, he just looks funny. Not because he's, he's short or anything like that. He's just, he's just funny. So we laughed a lot. We laughed a lot. And then Stephen Tomkinson's came in. You know, he's huge, Stephen Tomkinson. He is huge. He must be about six foot three, I would think. He's doing Spamalot down at the Playhouse Theatre, so you must, uh, you must go down and see him, because he said it's, it's, the, it's the show that they say should be available on the NHS. It puts a smile on your face, and you'll come out, you know, humming all the... Always look on the bright side of life. 
Can't do it first thing in the morning. But uh, he's down there. And today we'll be talking Great Expectations. And I've got Billy Crystal week after next. And loads of other people. So uh, all coming up. <clears throat> I think there's going to be a big Steve Allen in conversation on Christmas Eve. Because I'm here on Christmas Day, Boxing Day, between 7 and 10 in the morning. It's like a lion. I actually get a lion on Christmas. I don't know what to do with it. I shall still wake up at the usual time. It won't make any difference at all to me. I shall still wake up at the same time. It's going to be so annoying. So annoying. Uh, why don't they use uh, Eric Bristow as a dartboard for one of the trials? Yes, which is good. Pete the cabbie says, top tip to save money. I've wired up my outside Christmas lights uh, off the car battery when parked up after a day's work. They won't last very long on a car battery, will they? You cheap so-and-so. Uh, Deed Gaffney said he'll be turning on the lights when he gets some agent work. In the meantime, candles will have to do. Yes, I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be a double agent, isn't he? Secret agent. Oh, Dean Gaffney. Oh, didn't recognise him hiding there. I mean, I, th- I think he's got the wrong idea of what exactly it entails. In fact, I'm totally convinced he's got the wrong idea. Everything going on about uh, Prince William who accepted a baby grow from a well-wisher yesterday. People give them the oldest presents. So they get home and go, right, bin, drop. Thank you. You know, some loony uh, gave him it. And uh, Samantha says, I made it for when his little one comes. They don't want presents from you like that, thank you. A baby grow. They've got their own baby grows, I should imagine. Jason Gardner is coming back to Dancing on Ice. He's coming back to Dancing on Ice, and I couldn't be more pleased that... Uh, that he's uh, back. And he's going to be, apparently, really, really bitchy. The only person he hasn't told, so that's why he's telling her now, is Karen Gardner. You remember Karen Gardner, who's really stuck up, and uh, he upset her greatly, and they, they, they came to blows. And he said, if you were of any importance, he said, you'd be sitting on the panel, but you're not. Oh, it was wonderful stuff. And he's promised to be just as nasty to her this time round. He's, that's right. He said, if your opinion still mattered, you'd be on the panel. She went ape. She went... Oh, she wasn't happy at all. We all laughed, of course, because you suddenly saw a nasty side to Karen Barber. It was a shame, because I, I wasn't hoping it was, uh, it was there, but it was exposed by Jason Gardner, who has been brought back to try and resurrect some flagging figures. They need a bit of controversy, and he is the man to, uh, to do it. He once compared Kelly Holmes to a man in drag. In 2007, he told Kay Burley her smile was demented and she was ugly. I mean, honestly, there's no hope, is there, really? And that's apparently classed as rude. Although he said to Sharon Davis, you look... Well, I can't tell you what he said to Sharon Davis. It was too rude even for this time of the morning. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. The news at five with Sam Pittis is next. Allen. Four minutes past five. Duncan Barks earlier on was calling on um, Fortnum Mason not to lose the royal warrant because apparently a member of the Green Party has said they should lose their royal warrant because they sell foie gras. Well, they've been selling it for years. And there's loads of places you can buy foie gras. You can probably buy it in Asda. In fact, I should imagine most supermarkets sell foie gras. It's not just Fortnum and Mason. And most of you seem to think that they shouldn't lose their royal warrant. I, did, I don't think... I'm not even noticed the royal warrant there. I don't think it makes any difference. I'm sure, you know, for tourists, they go, oh, the, you know, the Queen shot... She doesn't push a trolley round or anything like that in Fortnum and Masons. You can't, really. There's not much room for things like that. They've got a nice food department, and, and they sell nice things, but then so does Harrods. Harrods got a lovely food hall. But Harrods got about five or six lovely food halls. Selfridge's got a nice food hall. So, and I'm sure if you go to Selfridge's, you can buy foie gras. 
They don't hold a royal warrant, do they? But it doesn't make any difference. Why would the royal family worry about something like that? Can't get, spend your time going round there. But they're trying to stop people um, eating foie gras. But I've never eaten it. I was amazed how many people were telling him that they actually work. Uh, sorry, not the actual, but that they actually eat foie gras. I was reading something else at the same time. They, uh, that they actually eat foie gras. I've never eaten it. And Duncan said, oh, perhaps we should go out and share a couple of bottles. Oh, no, thank you. Oh, no, definitely not. Not my sort of thing at all. It's not that I'm, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm off it because of the methods. It just doesn't appeal to me. I don't want to eat duck liver. I've eaten chicken liver pate. I just don't, I don't know why. Why am I not eating duck liver pate? What's the matter with that one? Goose, no, I wouldn't eat goose. Foie gras is goose. That's right, yeah. It's force-fed, though, isn't it, to enlarge the liver as much as possible. They sort of put a funnel in its mouth and feed it. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, most, most, most geese eat a lot of stuff anyway. This is just helping them on their way a little bit quicker. So what they do is, I'm, I don't know what the, what the process is exactly, I just know they, they force-feed. And, and they do it on a daily basis, is it, or weekly? Who knows? But either, either way, it enlarges the liver and then they kill them and then they, uh, they eat them. But there again, he, Duncan was quite right. You know, when he uh, he said that, you know, there are there are cows hanging up in slaughterhouses all over the country. And uh, and people appeared, appeared a bit naive about, you know, perhaps cows go with somebody going, oh, love you, love you. There was a piece in Country Life a short while ago, and it was a woman who did rear cows and pigs. And she said she goes with them to the slaughterhouse, which is which is nice, you know, if you like that kind of thing. And then she, and she says goodbye to them and hopes they have a nice time. Of course, the next thing, they come back in little polythene bags and stuff like that. I'm not really sure whether or not I should be talking about things like that this time of the morning. But I have been onto YouTube, and I have uh, had a look at the way... You know, because you might as well be aware of everything that goes on in a slaughterhouse. I've seen the way they do chickens, I've seen the way they do sheep, and they do pigs, and I've seen cows, and I've seen halal versions as well. So I've seen pretty much all of it, and I'm still eating steak. It doesn't, doesn't kind of change anything, but... If they said, this is the cow you're going to be eating later, I don't think I'd want to do that. Some people feel better about eating their own chickens and eating their own turkeys. I wouldn't want to breed anything. I think, actually, James O'Brien's got chickens. And I presume that that's for the, for the eggs, and because kids like, uh, like eggs. Well, I don't eat eggs anymore, strangely enough. Um, one here, stones thrown at an elderly lady's windows would have brought on heart palpitations through fright. Uh, just watch the CPS bringing a lesser charge on whoever... Uh, to get a conviction. Well, that's what they don't know. They've got to hold the uh, autopsy, and then they will find out what the cause of death was. But I should imagine a brick thrown through her front window. This is the 84-year-old, and the brick thrown through the window would be enough to, for her to think, oh, my God, what can... You know, I mean, I don't know what goes through the mind of an 84-year-old. I think it's immensely sad. But having seen some of the uh, the vile people that are out there in the in the newspapers, I suppose I can believe anything nowadays. Kids go out there and they kill other kids... And uh, James Whale, of course, is on his way uh, up to see... I mean, I'm surprised you don't take a toaster with you when you go up to Sky. Have a nice piece of toast, which is always good, isn't it? But the stories are, Levinson, uh, did, did you get the present? The pre- is he claiming he brought me a present now? He hasn't bought me a What present has he bought? He hasn't bought a present. He's just, he's just, being, he's just saying that, so I'll then go, what present? He didn't buy me a present. OK, I'll tell you the stories in the papers... Leverson inquiry. That's that's going to be in there. Then there's also the 84-year-old woman who uh, who died after yobs at 12 and 13 through a brick through her front window. She'd been targeted for ages and ages. Uh, Eric Bristow's uh, lawyers are apparently getting getting ready to make it difficult for ITV because they claim he's being shown in a bad light. Uh, I'll try not to talk any more about food, but uh, 
Toast with peanut butter on would not go and miss, would it, at this time of the morning? I should imagine so. Uh, Prince William teasing the crowds. Uh, some woman gave him a baby grow. They're quite mad, the people who follow the royal family around. Hello, William, William. Brought your baby grow. Oh, God, there's always one, isn't there? And, um, and Adele has been taken to task by Louis Walsh, who apparently has uh, said... Uh, they, they say he's laid into it. He hasn't really. All he said is, somebody like you should be back at work. He said, because in this business, if you're away for a month or two months, people forget about you. People forget about you. So that's all it is. Because Louis Walsh, if you actually came down on him like a ton of bricks and said, Louis, don't be so nasty. He would say, I didn't say that. What I said was, in this business, you've, you've got to keep working. I mean, she has sold 21. I said she sold 10 million copies of her album, 21, which ain't bad, which ain't bad at all. So, I mean, she'll, she'll go back to work when she's ready. Thousands of people still mopping up, which is, uh, which is the kind of thing that you don't want just before Christmas, do you? Uh, Gary Barlow, could I judge alongside Simon Cowell if he came back? Mm, I don't know. He's a bit undecided about this. It's another dreary interview. And Gary Barlow is very open about his plans for next year. Because when you think about it, Gary Barlow's the big turnaround kid. Gary Barlow, you know, good... And and then all of a sudden disappears, goes to no man's land, and then all of a sudden whoosh comes back. <clears throat> James Whale bought a baby grow. Sorry, a onesie. Is that a onesie? It's one of those oh, all-in-one things. Oh, dear, like a romper suit. Oh, dear, he's obsessed. It's camouflage, so he can go into the woods with it. He'll wear his if you wear yours. This man needs sorts. Of, I mean, really, I need to call the police in over this. <laughs> it's getting worse, and he only does toast with marmalade. You see, I I used to do marmalade. I don't do marmalade now. I might this morning. No, I tell you what I had the other day. I had a toasted bacon sandwich on white. Oh, it was lovely. Toasted bacon sandwich. Yum, yum, yum. <gasps> Delish. Might have that again today, actually. Cheer myself up for breakfast. It's nice to go out for breakfast. And uh, I should be going out with people. I don't want to talk about it, you know. I have showbiz friends. Don't want to sort of name drop. <coughs> Posh. You know, but, you know, I don't want to sort of, you know, the <coughs> Melsey. You know, the people like that. I don't, you know. <coughs> Tommy Steele. You know, loads of people. Louis Walsh. Uh, <coughs> made me worse, you see. That one was the lie. That was the lie. Could have been better. JK. <coughs> there you go. I've, could go for, I've been for breakfast with him. He's the sort of person, though, if you leave anything on your plate, he wants to eat it. You know, I don't like sharing my food. I think, as far as I'm concerned, this is, this is my meal. And, and if I want to leave anything, I want to leave it. I don't want anybody else to eat it. I just want to leave it. I don't like the idea somebody says, oh, I'll finish that for you. Poly- no, 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 no. It's mine. It's like sharing a toothbrush, isn't it? It's not the kind of thing you do at all, I'm afraid. Uh, one here from uh, young Neil. And he says, uh, he said, I said the wrong one previously. Uh, they, they, they have done the same with the, uh, the gangman style. And I can't remember exactly. Oh, that's right. It was the dancing elf last year where they superimpose your, your head on it. So I, I got one yesterday, yes. They're going to start, aren't they? They're going to start arriving. It's just going to drive me mad, I can tell. And so I'm having a look at this one here. Wait a minute. And there, you see, look. That's that gangman style. And if you sort of click on it, look, apparently it's, it's me dancing. It's slightly, slightly worrying. Oh, I don't know, actually. It's quite funny, Neil. We like that a lot. <laughs> nice to have a laugh first thing in the morning, isn't it? You're dead. And uh, it's just... <laughs> Of course, this means nothing to you listening in stereo, does it? But I'm ha- I, listen. I'm happy. Don't worry about anybody else. Thank you very much indeed. It's always very, was very exciting to watch. Made the producer laugh anyway, so that's good. Uh, John says, "Do any of the stores sell takeaway prepacked frozen Christmas dinners?" No. Okay. Um, 
apparently, Dan says, of course they should revoke the royal licence. We have no right to abuse animals like that. It doesn't make it right. Well, yeah, but then what about all the other animals that they've got in there? The chicken and all the stuff there, you know, all of that. So that's why. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it, Dan. It's not going to change your life, and they won't be taking away the royal warrant. It's just that. Oh, that's right. He actually isn't... Oh, that's, he's an animal lover. I've just realised, because he says, what about all animals that would be displaced and killed by massive new buildings? And he's, he's quite... Uh, right. Uh, right. Yes. And uh, strangely enough, he talks about UKIP, Scandinavian countries. Seems to have a, a fairly, uh, fairly advanced mind. So... Uh, that's, that's the kind of thing that, that you have to worry about. But they're not going to take away the royal warrant. It's not going to happen. Uh, Paul says they're gritting the roads in Harrow. So they should be. So they should be. Actually, do you think this year they're, they're going to be up to speed with the gritting of the roads? I bet they're not. I bet they're not. Uh, a lot of bit, There's a bit about uh, Christmas dinner. There is a bit about Christmas dinner in one of the papers today, and I can't remember exactly what it is. It's the cost of it. It's coming down. The cost of Christmas dinner this year. I think one of the supermarkets have actually made it cheaper. Although I did love... I've got time to read Brian Reed's little bit in the paper today. Brian Reed says, Pete Doherty says he and Amy Winehouse became lovers in the months before he died, before she died, and he has video footage of them enjoying themselves together at his house to prove it, but it hurts him so much he can't watch it. Brian Reed says, Pete, son, here is the answer to all your problems. Not only are you sitting on a potential fortune, if you cash it in, you may finally convince the world to love you. All you have to do is rent out that video to every school and TV company on the planet. Uh, if you do, the sight of you and Amy in all your pathetic panda face glory, six mornings into a week-long sleepless drugs bender, would decimate the world's demand for narcotics in a dangerously speedy heartbeat. There you go. You don't want to look like Amy Winehouse. You don't want to look like Pete Doherty. Release the DVD as quick as you can, Pete. Make some money on the back of it, because you're not earning any money at all. And uh, we can solve the drug problem in the world in a heartbeat. These are the headlines with Sam Pittis. The mayor says he fears the Leveson reporting to... ...and's biggest conversation with Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Back this morning from 7. LBC 97.3. And this morning, of course, it's going to be the big reveal by Lord Justice Leveson. The bus strike, which is going to hit North London. I'll run through in one minute. We'll get the uh, the bus numbers up again. I'll run through them for you again. I did it at the beginning of the programme, but I don't want you to uh, to miss out. Plus, Nick will bring you uh, updates on that to help you, the commuter, on your way. And uh, from Top Gear, Jeremy Clarkson and James May. Would you mind me? We get two in this morning. You only need the other one, don't you? The one who strapped himself to that rocket. And uh, you've got the complete cast. But uh, James May and Jeremy Clarkson with Nick Ferrari this morning. Looking at the papers, Tim Luckhurst head of the Centre for Journalism at the University of Kent and a former BBC executive. The buses this morning, now this is only affecting North London. These are the ones that we think will be affected by the strike today, Thursday, 29 November. The 29, Wood Green to Trafalgar Square, with the night bus added on top. The 34, Barnet Church to Walthamstow Central. The 38... Victoria Station to Clapton Pond, the 41 Archway to Tottenham Hale Station, the 73 Victoria Station to Stoke Newington with the night bus added on top, the 76 with the night bus, Waterloo Station to Tottenham Garage, the 78 Shoreditch, Culvert Avenue to Nunhead, the 102 Edmonton Green Station to Brent Cross Shopping Centre and the 24-hour service between Edmonton Green and Golders Green, the 121 Turnpike Lane Station to Enfield Island Village and the 123 
Ilford High Street to Wood Green Station. Now, what's going to happen is a lot of people will be using the underground stations. So I should imagine Victoria Seven Sisters, Tottenham Hale, Wood Green and Turnpike Lane will be busier than usual. So my advice is, if you use those routes, set off just a little bit earlier, just to make sure, just to make sure that you're going to get there and you don't have to, you'll be standing there on a train that's so packed solid it's horrible you'll be making friends with people you didn't know when you climbed on the train but by the time you get off you'll practically be engaged i should imagine Wee! lots of sort of touching and things like that i was touched on a train once i went back and they were never there again uh, apparently don't be eating marmalade said thomas they say it's just as bad as grapefruit for interfering with medication i suppose it would be and also it's just sugar isn't it marmalade it's the fruit and sugar i used to like that uh, roses lime marmalade because I used to like the colour of the jar but and, uh, the only thing I like on, on toast, I could eat peanut butter and I could eat uh, a little bit of marmite and that's, and that's what I like uh, why would somebody tell a lie about where they work there's a woman in the, in the uh, she's a fraudster her name is Stacey Simpson she's jobless of course I mean, quite clear, another one with a few screws short and she had three boyfriends. She tricked them into believing she was flying around the world as an air hostess. <laughs> I mean, she's quite clearly as stupid as she looks. And uh, she told her unsuspecting partners she worked for Emirates. And she did no such thing, I'm afraid. No such thing at all. But they believed her. She borrowed money off them. And, of course, they eventually they, uh, they took her to court and said she's been jailed for ten weeks. She also uh, conned benefits and all other sorts of things. Obviously, a deeply sad, depressed person. So, Stacey Simpson, you've been outed. As indeed has a man here from Eurodash Services, exposed by Penman and Summerlad today in the mirror. They clock cars. They make you sign a thing, which is a bit odd, really, telling you it's illegal to clock cars. And a clocking of a car is where they attach a little thing on, and within seconds, they can turn the clock back on the car, the mileage clock, which, uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, is, A, illegal. For any purpose, it's illegal. It makes no difference at all, because you're going to have now, everything is on on computer. And so when you have your MOT done, the mileage is taken. If the next time you have your MOT done, the mileage is different, you don't think somebody's going to notice. Somebody's going to say something. <laughs> uh, in Japan, it's freezing at the moment. I know this because Warren is in Japan. He said, I had two mini earthquakes here yesterday. Bit of a daily event. Crikey. Mind you, should be over here, Warren, because my friend JK has discovered the, the delights of mango vodka. I didn't even know what mango vodka... Well, I, it's obviously vodka with mango in it. But I, who's it made by? Is it a Smirnoff one? Is it, or is it an absolute one? Or is, it, or is it one that you've just made up for yourself? <laughs> it's, it's, I need to know the truth on this. Mango, because I love mango. I really love mango, and I love... Um, they did a thing on the telly the other day. On QVC, they were demonstrating something that juices, but not very well, because it was throwing stuff all over the place. And so the, the bloke there made a proper, a proper cocktail for the presenter. And he did it in, you know, one of the nice cocktail glasses, and he handed it to him, and the presenter said, he said, I've not drunk for 20 years, I don't intend starting now. He said, oh, but I'll smell it for you. So he went, oh, yeah, it smells very strong. So he, he didn't drink. I've never heard of a presenter on television who didn't drink. I mean, what does, what does that mean, for goodness sake? Warren says, I've been flying around the world for 18 years. Nobody's disbelieved me yet. <laughs> I don't know. There's always a first time, isn't there? Oh, the weather. No, I'm not going to tell you the weather. I've decided I'm, I'm not bothering with the weather at all anymore. I think it's so much easier not, not to tell you. Um, here, oh, that's on the buses. You found Dean Gaffney a job as Blakey. He just needs to go, butler. I hate you, butler. 
That'd be quite good, wouldn't it? Poor old Dean Gaffney, because the son have done a big double-page spread on him again today, where they've sort of dressed him up in a suit. The first time he's looked that smart for ages and ages. And The Hobbit as well. I'm not into The Hobbit. It's taken 75 years for it to reach the screen. It's got Martin Freeman in, who I like. Elijah Wood, who I like as well. And um, and some woman called Kate Blanchett. I don't know who she is. Some, some little known actress, I shouldn't wonder. She won't make it any further. And um, and this is, uh, this is because they've got the premiere in Wellington the other day. Crowds were out in force. Crowds were out in force. Somebody says, why did you read all the bus routes out? I just felt like reading them out. It felt like doing something different today. <laughs> you know, just going, mm, let's read bus routes out, because they're all cancelled, OK? So it's no good... St- I do love it sometimes, because you, you, you see people in certain areas, and just down here at Trafalgar Square, the bus stop occasionally is taken out, and they put a sign over it saying, this bus stop not in use. Still people stand there. And I always sort of walk past them thinking, perhaps you can't read. And I, I, I sometimes feel like pointing out and saying, look... It, it's not in... The, the bus will not stop here. It's gone round the other way. But, you know, people don't believe you. They always think, for some reason, you're telling fibs. They think... You know, if you say to somebody, oh, there's no more of those uh, buses coming round here, they go, yeah, OK. And, and as you walk away, you can you can almost feel them saying, you're telling fibs. You're telling fibs. I think the bus will be along any minute. And then they stand there for a little bit longer. And then they suddenly realise that there is no bus coming round there. So eventually they do move on, I'm afraid. Uh, the latest, can a fake Christmas tree ever be as good as a real one? Now, there is the, uh, the two camps that argue very well on this. You know, if you want a real tree, it's the smell. It's the pine needles. It's the fact it's grown. You can have them in pots, out of pots. They're all good things. All really good things. And then you can have fake trees, which you can spray to make them smell like it's a real tree. Kind of defeats the object a little bit. You can build your own Christmas tree. And so what they did, they, they gave the reporter, Caroline Cook, a selection of trees, some which, which are grown and are real, and some which are fake and some which you put together yourself. Uh, she gave, obviously marks out of five, the pre-decorated six-foot Christmas tree from B&Q is 25 quid. She gave it three. The, uh, oh, it's my phone butting again, sorry. The pre-lit tree from, from something called Dobby's. I don't even know what Dobby's is. It must be some shop we don't have down here. It's 99 quid, and they give that five out of five. In fact, it gets, uh, it gets top rating. The nearest one to it is the Norway Spruce Low Drop Needle Tree, seven foot tall. For seven foot, you pay 24.98. That's a B&Q. For a seven-foot tree, that's a good value, isn't it? Seven-foot tree. Because what you want to do, you want to see trees out. You don't want to see them all wrapped up. You want to see them unwrapped, naked, and then you can have a good look and decide, because you want something nice and bushy. You want a nice tree that's a bit bushy around the base and then goes... You don't want some spindly little thing, do you? Something that's going to hold your baubles, put your lights on. And remember, put the lights on first, check them for, before you drape them around the tree, check that they work, because some lights might not work. I'm only using LEDs this year. Because I can't be bothered to change light. The moment a bulb goes out and the thing goes, that's I throw them away. I can't be faff to go around and go, have you got these bulbs here showing them some piddly little thing that's come from, from Taiwan? So the answer is no, I don't. I chuck them out and I buy a new set. Because they're so cheap now, lights. You know, for the sake of, sake of using them. I mean, some of mine I've had for a couple of years. And they're still good. They still work. I'm very taken by Christmas lights. I can go out to the garden centres and I just stand there looking at them thinking... I really like those lights. I really like those lights. And I sometimes buy them. So I've got, I've got boxes of lights at home, which I haven't even opened. I just like looking at them in the box. And sometimes you just plug them in 
and see them going in, in the box, which are good. Uh, where are the Christmas decorations in M&S Oxford Street, says Jack? I don't know, I don't work for M&S. I should imagine they're probably hanging from the ceiling. Where do you think they're going to be? On the floor, trampled underfoot? I don't know. I like all the... Uh, I, I don't mind the, uh, the Marmite-sponsored things or whatever they are. They look OK. I've long since learned that you've got to have sponsorship if you want to go forward, because it's, it's the only way that you can actually get, get money in. Here's the temperature coming up for... Um, until February. Minus 20. That's what they're reckoning. Minus 20. And that's when you know it's cold, because the hairs inside your nose freeze. The hairs in your ears freeze. <sighs> Put your hat on, your little woolly hat, and still you're cold. You put your mittens on, you stand with the bus and get cold. And you stamp your feet on the ground, but of course it won't make any difference because there'll be rock-solid blocks of ice. It'll be very, very cold. But they say minus 20 degrees, and it will last all the way through until February. Uh, Steve, we put our fake black Christmas tree with lights up last week, and silver decorations looks good. Uh, yes, somebody asked me the other day about a black Christmas tree, and I do remember seeing them, and then they did the famous upside-down Christmas tree. And I didn't like that. I just thought that was silly. I couldn't believe that people in in John Lewis were actually buying an upside-down Christmas tree. I, I, I feel like saying to them, are you really mad? Why would you buy this? It looks peculiar. An upside-down Christmas tree. So now I, I just have traditional, normal... Yeah, well, as normal as it can be. Uh, Dobby's, or Dobby's, is a garden centre, says Paul. I thought it might be. I'd never heard of it before, so it must be something that they get up, up north or sort of place that you find James Whale wandering around. He's a bit uh, a bit like that. Somebody else saying... Uh, so Warren says, we can have five foot of snow in January. Do you think, do you think it's going to be really bad this year? Well, I might have to go and get some green wellies or something like that. I don't, I don't fancy uh, this, this idea of sort of losing the car in, in snow. And that means it will be very, 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 very difficult. James uh, Whale claims not to have hair in his ears or nose. He says men should trim. Yes, they should. Well, exactly. Well, I think a lot of men do nowadays, don't they? You can buy little nose clippers. It's funny the things you keep in the bathroom. Nose clippers, I ask you. There is one LBC presenter who's got a lot of hair in his nose and in his ears. And he sometimes sits in the office and cuts it with a pair of scissors. It's horrid. <laughs> I, I can't tell you who it is. That would be betraying a confidence. And uh, I certainly wouldn't be doing that. Uh, more from the papers coming up uh, very, very shortly. If you have joined us, it's nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. Do you know, a lot of people are being struck down with uh, coughs and colds and wheezes and, and even worse. So uh, if you're suffering today, you have sympathy. But I'll tell you now that the time is 5.30. <laughs> Headlines with Sam Pitt. Morning, 27 minutes to six. Thursday morning. Strictly's Christmas promises to be a bit of a cracker. It's got a it's a festive special. I'm assuming they must have filmed it. I'm assuming they must have because most of the Christmas stuff has, has been done now, hasn't it? And uh, they've got Rod Stewart singing Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. Is that the one that goes, Well, the weather outside is frightful? So delightful. It seems funny, doesn't it? Rod Stewart has now gone to sing all these, what I call, soft songs. But he's going to be there. Plus they're going to have Kelly Brook. Oh, dear. Chris Hollins. Oh, dear. And Natasha Kaplinsky. Oh, dear. <laughs> all of them are going to be there. But uh, on the one-off show, Fabrice Muamba will be there. The other contestants, um, Sheila Hancock, JB, Jill... Of JLS or G- who's I don't know who that is who's that 
J.B. Gill. Oh, entertainer Bobby Ball. Oh, dear. Comedy star Katie Brand. And TV presenter Helen Skelton. Oh, dear, again. Oh, what a low, what a low-rent line-up, I'm afraid. It's only good because Bruce is on there. And uh, Sheila Hancock as well. Uh, as usual, the hosts... Um, Oh, the guest appearances from, from Russell Grant. Oh, was a bit of a saving grace there with Russell Grant and Anne Widdicombe. Although they're not performing a full routine. Well, I don't think Anne has ever performed a full routine, has she? I mean, that in a caring way. Uh, plus, Tess Daly. Oh, dear. Uh, Brucey Forsett's all right. Reviewed by Craig Revel Horwood, Darcy Bustle, Len Goodman. Seven! I like him. And Bruno Tonioli. And, um, Seven! I like that, actually. I like Len Goodman. When he came in, he's the most down-to-earth... I mean, they're all down-to-earth. All the people we talked to are all very down-to-earth. But to be honest with you, he's more down-to-earth than anybody because he comes from, from my sort of neck of the woods or the, the family's neck of the woods. Seven! I like that. It's another impression I do. That's now three I've got. I can do that. Michael Crawford, seven! You know, it's, I could do all these different ones. And I could do Prince Charles, uh, seven. I could do Daphne. Is it seven? <laughs> Do you know, sometimes I amuse myself on this programme. I don't need an audience. I can quite happily sit here. Give me a mirror, I'll sit here quite happily. Um, there's, um, um, if you're a cat lover, and many of you are, I know, at this time of the morning, and especially, especially over Christmas, because people buy their pets, and especially their pussy cats, they buy them, they buy them toys. And if you've got a dog, you're going to buy a dog toy. But cats are the sort of thing. I mean, my... I've got two girlfriends who regale me with tales about their cat. They could write a book on what their cats are like. Oh, they did this today. They curled up. They broke a vase. They climbed on this. They're climbing up the curtains. And uh, and I said to the the other day, one one of my lady friends, Lou, she's uh, she's got a cat. She said, I think he's got fleas. I said, well, you can get a cat uh, flea collar. She said, you're joking. She said, can't get anywhere near him. Uh, these are the, these are the cats that bring bring animals into the house, like headless squirrels. And stuff like that. She's had mice running around the bedroom before now, hotly pursued by the cat. <laughs> Frightens. If that happened to me, I'd, I'd just I'd freak out completely. I'm afraid. Thank you very much indeed for the uh, for the calendar, Warren. Very much, uh, very much a favourite. Very much a favourite. I like that a lot, actually. I like that a, a huge amount. Fantastic, isn't it? That really is very good. I love a good Christmas calendar. I always love it when we get sent calendars in here. I get a couple every... I get one from my very good friends at a printing company, which is very nice indeed, which I love. And I use that for so I can mark off my uh, my sort of work days. And I use that. And then we get big calendars in. Got some lovely ones sent last year. Really lovely. And uh, always very nice and very, very useful. But apparently a new book is lifting the lid on all things feline. It's called Cat's Miscellany by Leslie O'Mara. It's £9.99, and it's got all sorts of things about record-breaking cats. Uh, Charles Dickens, he had a white cat. He had a white cat called... God, I can't remember what the cat was called now. White cat called... No, it wasn't Snowflake. No, Snowflake would be a bit obvious. No, my mother had a little toy penguin called Snowflake, and he came with a little hat on, a little scarf. <laughs> and I saw it in a shop, and I bought it for her for Christmas, because, you know, when you're, when you're a child, you don't have a lot of money. I think Snowflake might have cost three and elevenpence or something stupid. Anyway, whatever it was. What was our cat called? We, there was a cosset cat. Oh, was it Candy. Candy. Our cat was called. And it was white. Long hair. And spent most of its time throwing up in the garden. Because what they do, cats, that they, uh, if, if they lick themselves, they get fur balls in their tummy. And every so often they have to make themselves sick to get the fur ball out. People with long-haired cats will know this. And my, my mother would be in the kitchen, and the cat would be there, and all of a sudden it would start going, 
<laughs> my mother said, get the cat out, it's going to be sick, it's going to be sick. So you'd have to lift the cat up while it's still going, <coughs> like that, and put it in the garden, where it would happily, it would eat grass. What is that? I mean, not, not, you know, it wasn't smoking grass, it was eating grass from the garden. I don't think our cat ever learnt to roll up anything at all, uh, apart from mice and birds from next door's aviary, but that's another story. And so, and you pick it up, <laughs> the poor cat, it must have given it the most awful indigestion. So it was there, but but uh, he had a white cat, and he called it William. And that is, until William had a litter, and then they had to change the cat immediately. It became Wil- Wilhelmina. Wilhelmina. Uh, they talk about Marilyn Monroe, Florence Nightingale, the weather, the weather forecast, because cats are very good at working out. Our cat used to go out at night, but not if it was raining. And so my father would open the back door, and if, the, if it was raining, the cat would sit there. And my father would go, off you go then. And the cat would look at him as if to say, you are having a laugh, aren't you, pal? It's raining. And so he would push it out with the end of his foot. He'd push, push it outside the back door and shut the door. And we'd all peer out the window and the cat would sit there. Then it would make a bolt for the car and sit underneath the car, staring at the back door, waiting until the morning. Ha! Uh, Steve, five foot snow drifts by January and minus 20. Good God, I hope they're wrong. Yes. Mary says, best Christmas decorations in department store Bentall Centre. I think they're the same, aren't they? I think they are the same. Uh, Clarkson in the studio. I'd leave via the back door if I was you. So you don't have the misfortune of bumping into him. He's ever so tall. He knows in the studio yesterday. They couldn't wait to tell me. They couldn't wait to tell me. The girls in the office. Oh, guess who's in the building, Steve? Guess who's in the building? I went, I don't know. Mary and Joseph and a donkey. I don't know. Who is it? Ryland's in the studio. Oh, whoopee-doo. Yes, Ryland was mincing between studios in the building yesterday. And, of course, a couple of girls had to have pictures taken with him. I thought, can't think of any more ghastly. He did XFM, I believe. Choice. Did he do Choices, Brett? An odd choice for choice, but... And I, then he did, uh, he, did, he did Capital. He definitely did... I'm sure he did Choice. I'm pretty certain. Pretty certain. I went, oh, and they went, don't, don't you want your picture taken with him? I said, do I look like I want the picture taken with Ryland? Thank you very much indeed. No. Katie Epsom says Dobby's or Dobie's is a very fancy garden centre. Tesco subsidiary and it's expensive, but their Christmas deckies are fab. Thank you. <laughs> Carolyn Horsham thinks you could win Britain's Got Talent, Steve. You've got far more than any of them. Well, I don't actually have a skill. You can hardly sit there and go, I'm going to do an excerpt from my radio programme. It's not going to go down very well, is it? That's like I could play the flugelhorn or something. The only thing worse than mice running round pursued by the cat is mice running round not pursued by any cat, says Cathy. Do you know here in our studio we've got lots of mice boxes? I'm not sure if they live in them or they eat the poison and then they go away and die somewhere horribly. Because it, it does... If, if there was a mouse in here now, I would be quite frightened. I would have to lift my feet off the, off the floor. But I've seen mice jump. They can jump quite high, so they could probably jump and then sort of crawl up your trouser leg. Oh, God, don't even, don't even go there. Next door in the control room, they've got, they've got loads of boxes in there. So there's probably farm, there's probably a colony living in there already. <laughs> uh, a lot of people say, oh, please, please, not, not snowdrifts. Well, that's what they're forecasting. They're say, but they always do that inside the express. They always go, it's going to be terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, apparently, Alistair in Bedfont, Dobie's garden centres are big in Scotland. My one used to be uh, by, is it Dalkeith Midlothian, which is south of Edinburgh on the A7. The A7, good Lord. Uh, we've got one in Kent, says Michelle in Rochester. Another one here. Trevor says they're mainly in the north and uh, Scotland. Right. Oh, it's Diana from Richmond's birthday today. So many happy returns, Diana. So we've had a number of, uh, number of our regulars celebrating birthdays recently. We had Paul Dunford as well. And that's from Marion and Kitty. So many happy returns of the day. 
Keep praying that Anthea Turner won't be turning on the Christmas lights again in Claygate. She was terrible. Her so-called jokes were met with silence, says Paul in Surbiton. But you went, didn't you? Anthea Turner, well, I hope she's not going to pitch up on that blooming dancing programme. I really do. I can't bear it. This is a cat book again for all of you. It's called Cat's Miscellany. And it's got all sorts of facts. So if you like cats, the heaviest moggy was Himmy from Australia, who weighed 45 pounds and 10 ounces. That's a fat cat, ladies and gentlemen, a fat cat. And it is said, when I, I wasn't joking when I said the weather forecast, it is said that cats apparently can forecast the weather. So expect high winds when your pet claws at the carpet or the curtains and rain when it washes its ears. Oh, I don't remember saying our cat ever wash its ears. But it did used to claw at the carpet. And we only realised when we moved one year that it had completely destroyed the back of the settee. Because they exercise their claws. If you've got a coconut mat by the back door, the cat would love to exercise their claws on that. In our case, we had um, a settee with like a a moquette covering. I can't remember what it was, actually. And uh, it ripped the back to shreds. To absolute shreds. And our cat looked very good because it was white and we had green carpet in the hall. A green sort of twisty kind of thing. Uh, My mum sent me an advent calendar yesterday. No no chocolate. That's not very good, is it, cat? No chocolate in it. Well, she'd eaten the chocolate. Oh, it's just an advent calendar. Oh, just a picture one. Oh, it's a bit mean, isn't it? You know, you can buy an advent calendar where you put your own chocolates in, which I thought was quite a good idea. So we'll we'll be starting, won't we, with uh, with advent calendars very soon. I don't do an advent calendar. I really don't. My godchildren have one, but then their uh, their dad Chris eats all the chocolates anyway. They have to keep filling it up again. And you could buy one in Costco, which had little drawers. Which you pull out and you put a little, little... There's always got to be chocolates in there, isn't it? I don't know why. Why is it chocolates in there? You can get Lego ones, can you? Uh, Rylan. Uh, more like a reinvention of Dally LaRue, says Warren. It's an insult to Dally LaRue, of course, as you know. But uh, I, I don't think he's actually... I don't think he's actually going to survive. I don't, I, I don't think he has any... any well, I don't, I don't think he has any career going for him. He can't do... People saying, oh, he's going to make millions like Jedwood. I don't think so. I really don't. I don't, I don't know where you, would, where you would end up putting him. And the answer is I can't think of, of anywhere, apart from a dustbin. <laughs> That's be being kind. I don't know, he just doesn't... Uh, we, we, we've seen enough of, of these sort of acts, haven't we? I don't want to see any more acts. Any more acts. Good Lord, who's that a picture of at the gym? It's not you, is it, Warren? Who is that? Somebody at the gym. Somebody at the gym. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Yeah, I must, it reminds me, because we've got Christmas coming out, I need to go to the gym or do something. I need to do a bit more walking. Perhaps I'll walk further just to go to the cafe to go and get the toasted bacon sandwich. I love a toasted bacon sandwich. 84850stevelbc.co.uk. Quarter to six. News headlines with Sam Pittis. Boris Johnson's warning that the left... Steve Allen. There's a poor guy in the paper today. He's a charity fundraiser. He's ever so disappointed. His name is Peter Smith. Peter Smith uh, wrote to Downing Street saying, I'm trying to raise some money for dementia sufferers. And uh, we've got, you know, a TV set, a hamper, a three-piece bistro set, microwave, trip to Thorpe Park, hotel and spa, great gift for a carer. And uh, is it possible that we could have something from, from the Prime Minister? And so Danny Street said, oh, yes, absolutely. We'd be more than happy to supply. So what they sent? A signed picture of David Cameron. They sent a, a seven by four. And, uh, sorry, six by four. It's even shorter than I thought. And he said he was ever so disappointed. He said we might have to have that as the booby prize. Downing Street said it was a gesture of goodwill. It's not very exciting, is it? I think he was hoping for something a little bit better. Uh, lovely John Maloney is uh, out in... Uh, 
He's on his way to Norway via Terminal 5. He says, by the way, I've got two cats. Two cats. I just, strange enough, I don't see John Maloney as having two cats. I really don't. Kenneth and Edward. I'll say hello to the cats and to you, John. So he's going off to Norway. Is it a gig? They haven't got any snow, you know. They were cutting the tree down the other way, and uh, the other day, and there was no snow in Norway. I was a bit, I was a bit disappointed. Because when I went out there a few years ago, we were knee-deep in the stuff. And it was bitterly cold. Oh, dear, it was cold. But it's ever so pretty, Norway. Ever so pretty. They do a lot of smoked herring, don't they? And st- stuff like that. What if they do chips? I wonder what their chips are like. But we, we did that as well from Terminal 5. It's not the most exciting terminal in the world. But we did go for that. Have a safe flight. The good news is it's not too long, is it? It's only a couple of hours or something. We were in Jamaica, says Neil. So have, have fun, John. Uh, we shall catch up when you get back. Have a curry or something. Anyway, so Neil was in Jamaica for one of his nephew's weddings, where a few of us, stags, decided to play golf. He said, not my cup of tea, but I'll have a go. During the round, my caddy said to wait here, to the four of us. He picked up a very long pole, he'd obviously used many times before, and proceeded to knock off a lovely fresh mango off a massive tree for each of us. He said that was the tastiest mango I've ever had, with an unbelievable view to boot. Johnny Cash had a house on the course. It can't be bad. Oh, by the way, because he offered me a ticket for the Arsenal game on Saturday, he said it's gone. He said, shame, Steve, you had your chance. I know, I'm, I'm gutted by that, Neil, as you can imagine. I really, really wanted to go to watch um, Arsenal playing uh, whatever it is they play. Is it lacrosse or something? I, I don't know. But uh, I'm so sorry that I, I couldn't be there with you. But I, I'm there in spirit. Dean says, talking of Christmas, will you be coming to the Santa specials on the Epping Onga Railway? Have they got Santa specials? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we've been on the buses from, uh, from the station there as well. We've been on the buses many, many... We like that. I like the bus route. I like bumping around on the bus. They've got all the old, uh, the old buses down there. It's good. Yes, absolutely. Yes, couldn't keep me away from that one. We like that. In fact, I've got to sort out what, when I'm coming down there because I'm still trying to find different presents for members of the family and uh, they're not being particularly helpful, I'm afraid. Uh, Brian says, I go to the gym every day. It's never open when I get there, though. I know I'm like that. And Louis Kent says, I found a diabetic calendar online for the daughter. Opened it up yesterday, very excited, only to find each day is empty. You have to fill it with treats yourself. The daughter was gutted. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh at other people's misfortune, but that's the kind of thing I'd do. I'd buy it and go, well, I've I've brought you an advent calendar. But I don't buy advent calendars for people. I don't really see it as as a sort of a present. If we had one in the office, they'd all be fighting over the chocolate in there. And that would be the nightmare. You know, they'll be going... Perhaps we could get one and just have it on the desk, but we have clean desk policy, so I'm not sure if the cleaner would pick up an advent calendar and throw it away. I bought a cover for my iPad Mini as well, so I'm very disappointed. It's a rather cheap little thing that's arrived. I just wanted an, um, um, I have to go to the Apple store and buy the, um, uh, what's it one, the magnetic one. I mean, it's okay, but it's, it was, it was a bit, I don't know why I bought it, it was only 9.99. Shouldn't have done it. Irene says, uh, sadly, we had to put two ragdoll kittens to sleep seven months apart this year, but on a happier note, we pick up Khufu on the 8th, as Stanley, the nine-month-old, needs a friend. Aww. Send pictures, please. Send pictures. We like, like pictures of your uh, pets. We might start Pets Corner on the programme for Christmas. Don't send me any pictures of anything dressed up as Father Christmas. When we went to Winter Wonderland the other day, there was, there was somebody there, they had a baby, and it was dressed up as Father Christmas. It had the little hat with the white fur around it, little boots and a romper suit. 
I couldn't help but look at it and think, how sad is that? But at the same time, I smiled, which is uh, probably not the right thing to do. At, uh, but anyway, it was OK. It was like, um, Steve, the, these people forecasting snowdrifts and minus 20 degrees, do you think they're the same people who said we'd be collecting water from standpipes in the street by the end of the summer? I don't know, Tom. Jill says, how come we know the February weather when they can't get the next day right? We're, we're rubbish at weather. I only said a rude word then. We're rubbish at the weather, aren't we? We don't know anything. We, we just, we just go, is it going to rain today? But yesterday, they said it wasn't going to rain. So I got in, having done my interviews, and uh, they, all went, they all went very well. You know, I was having a very nice time. As I say, Priscilla Press, it was just, just a delight. Stephen Tomkinson was, was just wonderful, and Warwick Davis just made me laugh. Just made me laugh. Because I ma- you make that same mistake, because he's only three foot nine. I said to him, I said, shall I, um, shall I lower the seat for you? He said, no, I can get on the seat, all right. And he does. He sort of, he puts his hand and swings himself up onto it. He was wonderful. It was, it was so much fun yourself. I felt we had the, the Christmas spirit in us. Well, I didn't have that much, because I didn't have the liqueur chocolates when they were, when they were being passed around the office. Nobody today is going to come in and surprise me. I don't like any surprisings. Uh, one here. Can you please send birthday greetings to my son, DeMarco? from Nursery B. He's four today at Durand Academy, and that's from Mum Teresa, Nanny Sharon and Nettie, uncles Kane, Adrian and Sanjay. My God, you've got the complete world in there, haven't you? There's a good one. So, DeMarco, Nursery, four today. How lovely. I wish I was four today. <laughs> Which is ne- never going to happen, I'm afraid. Oh, John Maloney. Oh, look. John Maloney's got a Jack Russell as well. I love little Jack Russell pups. They're so- oh, he's so cute. He's- that's you, John. That's such a cute picture. Do you know, I like Jack Russell's, but then I got put off the other day. Because you remember one attacked that little, that baby? But only because, and I thought, I thought it was only because, dogs don't know the difference between, a if it's a baby of a few weeks old, and it's a toy, they don't know the difference. But I do love them, honestly. I see you're the, uh, the subject of minimalist in your flat. I thought it was like getting a picture of the cats. We get a picture of the Jack Russell. It's like a menagerie down there for you, isn't it? A menagerie. 84850, uk. My friend Karen has a cat called Lucy, and she brings live mice up to the bedroom and meows till she wakes Oh, no, I couldn't be putting in that. I really couldn't. I feel so sorry for people. So sorry for people who, who have cats who bring things in that are half alive. I say, my friend Luth, she, she woke up one morning and there was half a squirrel under the bed that eaten the rest of it. I didn't know cats ate things like that, but apparently they do. Uh, Mark says, minus 20 and five foot of snow from now until February. It sounds like the Daily Express again, or an untimely April Fool jokes. Uh, well, it, it, it is the Daily Express. They either do that or they do some medical breakthrough. Have you noticed that? Uh, Lewis says, who is this amazing weather person? Uh, able to predict not only the snow in five weeks, but how deep the drifts will be. I know, they go five feet, you know, <laughs> five feet. Can you imagine? I just love that. I love that idea. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, everybody else asking about the same thing. How do we know the weather forecast? Well, I suppose that they just look at the way it drifts in, don't they? They look at the way it comes in from overseas, and they can say, well, it's going to reach us by this. I love this one. Ron says the days of the advent calendar are definitely numbered. Thank you very much indeed. The old ones are the best. I would go to the gym every day, Steve, but I refuse, because they don't supply ashtrays and somewhere to, to put the, uh, the chips <coughs> whilst I'm on the running machine. Oh, dear. Uh, reality show Addiction... And addicts, 
with the X Factor and Strictly Come Dancing drawing to a close, we've given a glimpse of Celebrity Big Brother 2013, apparently still hosted by the dreadfully naff Brian Dowling and uh, Emma Willis. I don't mind Emma Willis. I quite like Emma Willis. I think she could go, but she needs to stay away from naff presenters like Brian Dowling. Really, he's, he's just... He was so awful last year round. And they're now saying there are various people... They say Ryland Clark could be lined up for it. Oh, God, how awful. And Katie Price. Oh, how dreary. Because you know she doesn't have a show anywhere. Sky have dropped her due to lack of interest. Uh, and I'm afraid the, uh, the Price's star has waned. Not only waned, people have, people have given up with it. It was the same thing on the show all the time. There was nothing new. She didn't do anything more interesting, apart from sort of gloat about how marvellous she thought she was and how clever she is as a businesswoman. And frankly, that grated on everybody. And so the audience deserted in droves. Uh, the what Katie Price did next talent show thing was the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever seen on the television. And it just proved, really, I suppose, that we've had enough of her. She, it is said in the paper today, I don't believe it's come from her, because Channel 5 are trying desperately to drum up interest in, in uh, Celebrity Big Brother. But the truth of the matter is they can't find any celebrities. She would have to be really desperate to go on to Celebrity Big Brother. I'm assuming she could be desperate because she's already been on the jungle. She walked out the jungle and she wasn't much cop in that. She, uh, she failed. But she went in, if you remember, she went in twice. She went in the first time and she found the boyfriend, Pete. Peter Andre, because Pete loves his kids. OK, just want that on record. Pete loves his kids. He exploits his kids as well as he loves them, but he loves them really. He really loves them. He doesn't want to put them on television all the time, but he does. And uh, they're in all the new programmes. And so she goes out there, and then she goes in a second time, and then she walks out after a while because she's just weak and ineffectual. And then she had her programme on Sky, and then people went, oh, God, it's so dull. And so she doesn't have a programme. They're saying if she goes into Celebrity Big Brother, she can revitalise a TV career. I shouldn't think so. The public aren't interested. You can't revitalise a career that's dead in the water. And she is dead in the water. She's, she's box office poison, as they say. Nobody's interested. You know, if she was pleasant or had some sort of talent, you know, that would be different. But I remember all the fake bits looking at the window going, oh, the, are the paps there again? Yes, of course they are, dear. You phoned them. That's why they were there. And even they weren't interested. One person taking a picture of her coming out for having her nails done. How exciting is that in your life, ladies and gentlemen? God, dear me. Midwives are so rude, apparently claims... An NHS matron. I don't know why. A midwife. I was watching, I turned on the television, and I thought I'd wandered into the wrong channel. There's a woman in a birthing pool, and she's lying face down with her boyfriend. They've both got earpieces in. I don't know what people are saying to them, like, you know, moan a bit or something. And so the boyfriend's kissing her. Oh, I love you, I love you. And the, and the midwife is at the back. It's a bit like watching a cow giving birth, going, yes, I can see her head. It's coming. And then all you get from the front is, oh, oh. And I thought, oh, I can't be doing with this at this time of the morning. It's far too... I'm watching... Well, I'm watching this birthing pool. I don't know why they're showing it to me on the television at that time of the morning. It's the last thing I want. I want pictures of people putting peanut butter on toast and stuff like that. Somebody would give me... Oh, it hurts. And I'm thinking, oh, God. Started making me feel ill. Oh, the piano that featured, you know, in Casablanca. They reckon it could go for £750,000. Isn't it nice that they keep things like... I love the fact they keep things like that. I love the fact that Debbie Reynolds has got a warehouse with costumes from every film in. She saves them and they're all looked after. She's got loads of stuff from The Sound of Music. Oh, it's wonderful stuff. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, look, there's a picture of... Uh, who's that? Good Lord, it's Princess Beatrice. I wonder what she did for a living. Answer? Nothing. Nothing. News is coming up very shortly. It's LBC 97.3. Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. We've got the news at six. On FM, Valen. Morning, six minutes past six. Thursday morning in London town. I'm trying to work out what Princess Beatrice was doing out on the town. She's got that. Her eyes are so big; they're like dinner plates, aren't they? 
She looks a bit like Ramona from the Housewives of New York. Probably she's probably probably a nicer person, but she was pictured with Salma Hayek. I think they were at the uh, the British Fashion Awards. What's she doing there? Somebody explain to me. Well, why is she with Selma Hayek? Well, Selma Hayek is probably going, oh, yes, great, great, great. There's a TV quiz contestant who stalked the show's presenter, has now been banned for life from contacting her. James Connolly was already subject to a restraining order for harassing Alex Lovell after appearing with her on the former Channel 5 show Brain Teaser. I've never even heard of brain teaser. Mind you, I've heard of many things. The magistrate widened the ban to include social media after the 50-year-old went back to court in a bid to have the order overturned. And they've said no. Definitely not. Definitely not. And so this... Oh, I remember what that was, brain teaser. I remember it now. Oh, God, that finished ages ago, didn't it? I've remembered. I've seen her now with, with what she looks like. And uh, you could win £1,000. It was a little, little quiz that they did on it. But... Um, he appeared in 2004, and he pestered her even after she left to present the sh- another show in Bristol in 2005. He says, I feel the order is a sword of Damocles. He said he only contacted the broadcaster after receiving numerous anonymous prank phone calls in the wake of his brain teaser appearance. He believed the calls were from Miss Lovell, so sent anonymous emails to her. Oh dear, he's quite clearly one of those. <laughs> he needs, he needs, uh, needs sectioning, I'm afraid. Not all there in the upstairs department again. Lots of students vanishing in the country comes as no surprise to me. No surprise. A lot of people, we saw it, and um, that's why it was interesting with Boris in India, because they did a programme on the immigration service in India, where people go in to get visas, and then they followed it up, and I can't remember what it was called now, but it, it followed people through, and then in London, they would say to these people, these sort of Indian men, who looked a lot older than they were, saying, so, which, which college are you studying at? And they'd sit there and go, um... They didn't know what college they were at, they didn't know what they were studying, and it turns out that many of them were working in restaurants, and working here as minicab drivers and, and stuff like that. And that's why they had to clamp down. So Boris is now saying, oh, we want more and more people coming in. Yes, if, if they're actually going to college, but many of them aren't. They disappear into the system. The immigration officials say there are approximately 153,000 people here illegally who should have been removed ages ago. But the tip-offs are ignored. The problem has become so huge that nobody's doing anything about it. Nobody can do anything about it. They have raids every so often. They go round, and then they've got to wait till it goes to court. By that time, the person's disappeared again. It's ridiculous. They should do as they do in, in Australia. Literally, you pick them up. You're not supposed to be here. You're on the flight th- that afternoon. There's no messing... They're not faffing around with courts or anything like that. In Australia, they go, right, you're here now. You've entered the country illegally. You're going home today. Goodbye. We faff around. We're so overcrowded. <clears throat> There's so many people here that it's, it's very difficult to sort all these people out. Uh, who else has been hoaxed after China's Communist Party has fallen for a spoof? I mean, you know, by saying he's really attractive. I mean, that was a, that was a little bit worrying, wasn't it? This is North Korea's Kim Jong-un, who is a desperately, desperately unattractive bloke. I mean, he can't. With the best will in the world, he did fall through the ugly tree, hitting every branch on the way down. But anyway, China's Communist Party fell for it when he was named as the sexiest man in the world. But but what what other hoaxes have there been? Well, I mean, there are the, the, the classic ones, which is Bigfoot. You know, whatever it's called, Bigfoot. Uh, you know, this uh, rumoured to be in the forests of Northwest America. He's a, a reputedly huge, hairy, ape-like monster who won't leave his footprints in the earth. No, he's working here. He's doing the James Whale show. He's here, I promise you, every day. There's no such thing as Bigfoot. Uh, also, Spaghetti. 
It does not grow on trees. Panorama did a spoof on it. So funny, isn't it? We now laugh at Panorama because of the standard of journalism, because we now know how rubbish it is. But yet, really, years ago, they were still at it when they were trying to explain to the viewers of the BBC television company that uh, spaghetti grew on trees, and here it is being harvested. It was, a, it was an April fool. Uh, nobody fell for it. Nobody fell for it. The forgotten artist, William Boyd, the... Uh, Uh, wrote a biography called Nat Tate, an American artist. He said he hoped to rehabilitate the image of a reclusive genius who was an enfant terrible and who tragically killed himself at the age of 32. Unfortunately, it was all made up. He threw a party and everything, and people believed it. My favourite was somebody who wrote to a, a national newspaper years ago, and the joke started with, I'm trying to trace... Uh, the, uh, the remainder of the poem, which goes something along the lines of by, by the shores of this huge water stood a lonely a lonely something pine, a lonely forlorn pine. And he said, I can't find it. It's a very old poem. And, and then he wrote as other people every day going, I've got a copy of this poem. And then all the time he was writing the poem himself at home to make it up. And then on the final day... He actually submitted to the newspaper. He said, by the way, here is the copy of this, of this poem that this listener was after, this, this reader was after. And everybody fell for it. My favourite is just you, you pick up the phone and every day you, you call somebody that you're not particularly fond of and you go, hi, is Steve there? They go, no, you've got the wrong number. Thanks. Put the phone down. Hour later, somebody else says, hi, is Steve there? No, you've got the wrong number. You put the phone down. You do this for a week. Then at the end of the week, you pick up the phone, you dial the number, you go, Hi, it's Steve here. Any messages for me? Really gets a go, I promise you. It's worth trying over Christmas. Worth trying over Christmas. And I'll tell you the other thing, which you must do over Christmas, is, is you have to send back post that you don't want. You all get unwanted post at home. You get it through the door. It's somebody who might have lived there years and years ago. or something. They, they just get these addresses off files. What you do is you put it back in the post box, readdress to return to sender, and let them pay double postage. We do it with all of our things now because, you know, if you live in flats, you do actually get lots and lots of postage. Or if you live in rented accommodation, there's bound to be people there. Post that goes back years. Post that go. Just put it back in the post. Put a cross through it. Go return to sender. Let them pay the other end. It's so much easier. Daily Star today. People also complain we don't use the Daily Star. The coldest winter for 100 years. But bearing in mind, this is the same stable as the Express, which was telling you it's going to be the coldest winter. I mean, I don't know whether or not I should go out there. And uh, and try and and try and you know get a bigger, thicker coat or something like that. I don't know actually. Eight four eight five O. Andy uh, Andy on travel has said you need to get a black cab today. If you live in North London and you've got half your buses have gone down because of the strike, you can get the tube. But of course, the tube is going to be really, really busy as well. Really, really busy. So just be just be aware of it. So it's not Andy, is it? Oh, it's not Andy. And oh, no, I'm just looking at this one. That one there. Is that... Who's that? Is Oh, easygoing cabbie treated... Twi- oh, tweeted to Andy. Oh, right. This is a relationship or something. I don't know. You know what these people are like nowadays. Uh, 84850. Apparently, did you know the British and Burmese government are looking for 20 Spitfires hidden in Burma during the Second World War? They were abandoned after the bomb dropped on Hiroshima. Boys' own stuff. I love it when they find things in the... On the battlefields where they dig something up and there's a spitfire that's gone down, it's been covered by all this earth. They uncovered um, a, a series of tunnels a short while ago, didn't they? Which I thought was absolutely amazing. Um, Steve, are they preparing an emergency bed for you at LBC? 
as we can't do without your programme, says Carolyn Horsham. Horsham, I bet you're going to get the worst of the snow. I bet you do. I bet you do. I'm hoping it's not going to be that bad, but I'll still be here. Don't worry whether you like it or not. I shall still be here. 14 minutes past six. LBC 97.3. Thank you very much indeed. Coming up with uh, Nick Ferrari this morning, it's Leveson, the big reveal. Uh, the bus strike, which is due to hit North London, that will affect lots of you. Nick will bring you updates to help you on your way to work. And uh, from Top Gear, Jeremy Clarkson and James May will join Nick in the studio. Looking at the papers today, Tim Luckhurst, head of the Centre for Journalism at the University of Kent and a former BBC executive. Kevin, the very chilly milkman, says five foot snowdrift, Steve, minus 20. The legs are staying tucked away in long trousers until next year. Those poor housewives and office girls and a couple of Facebookers will be in a state of depression now. And it's all the Daily Express's fault. But happy birthday to Diana. So there you go. Happy birthday. <coughs> Excuse me, Diana. Uh, apparently it's very brr this morning in Chessant, which is, uh, which is lovely. And uh, very... Uh, Susan Bookbind. Oh, just, she said, we're so pleased to have Sam Pittis back on the morning news. Oh, nice. That's nice. And uh, th- th- this one's very popular, Steve. Try walking up to a total stranger looking all excited and saying, Oh, my God, I haven't seen you in ages. How are you? Do you still see any of the others? See how long it takes them to actually ask who you are. I've had that. The, the other thing which I've fallen for before is, you know, when you're standing by the side of the street and somebody hoots and goes by and they wave and you wave back because you think you must know them. I've stopped doing that now. I've decided I'm not going to wave at any more strange cars. It's, it's not good. It's not good. Look at Sally Burko's tweets. And uh, here she is. Oh, she's, she really is. She's, she has some dreary stuff, doesn't she, really? Would comment on last week's coverage, but uh, they've reactivated her account. Oh, dear. But um, she says here, uh, looking at tweets, but sadly can't reply. Uh, so text, email me if you're a mate. Hope to be back soon. Kiss, kiss. She really is so deluded, isn't she? She seriously believes that out of 60,000 people following her, that they really are following her. That, they, that they're really interested in Sally Burko, who tells you she's mum to Oliver, Freddie and Jemima, proud patron of autism charities, Labour supporter, all tweets, uh, especially ill-advised ones, my own, because she's, she's simple. You know, she doesn't, she quite clearly doesn't know what she's doing. She's a, bit, she's a bit Nadine, as they tend to call it. Have you noticed that there's a mother in the paper today? There's quite a few mothers, I should imagine. But this one has just named her child, hashtag... Hashtag, I ask you. Photo of the baby with a Twitter-inspired name sweeping the internet. Hashtag. I mean, we're not really sure if it's, uh, if it's a joke or not. People are saying she hasn't really called the baby hashtag. Hashtag Jameson was born at 10 o'clock last night. She weighs eight pounds, and I love her so much. Weighs is W-E-Y-S. So it could be some old chav, couldn't it? Because, I mean, she, an old chav would call somebody hashtag because they're, they're a bit simple. They're the ones who end up on the Jeremy Kyle show going, I, got, no, I don't know, I got pregnant. I don't know. I don't know, but I think it's him. Or it might have been him, or him, or it could have been him, or his father, or this. And so it goes on. So it goes on, and the Jeremy Kyle show lurches into new, new territory, which we're not interested in. Uh, what are they going to be talking about with Susan Bookbinder this morning? We'll just have a quick look here. Oh, the green power bill's affordable. Have you checking your bills recently? Am I the only one who thinks the bills have gone through the roof? Terrible. The bus strike, which uh, she'll be looking at with Peter Kavanagh, Unite Union's London and Eastern Regional Secretary. Lots of buses. On the LBC website, you need to check them out. I did read them out earlier for you. I'll do them again. So uh, these are the routes expected to suffer the most into central London. It's 2938... 73149 and 243. Bingo! Thank you. I like reading out the lottery numbers. Services will be disrupted until early Friday morning. Night bus services affected as well. 
So uh, just be uh, just be aware. So there's a lot more uh, routes affected than the ones I've just read out. 29, 38, 73, 149 and 243. If you go to the LBC website, you will find more on that. There's also record numbers of people they'll be talking about with Susan Bookbinder this morning living with HIV. The, uh, the numbers have, have increased, I'm afraid. They'll be talking to Genevieve Edwards, who's uh, from the Terence Higgins Trust. All of that and more with Susan Bookbinder after the, uh, the news. Uh, Simon Cowell apparently has fallen in love with penguins, wants one for a pet. You really don't. You really don't. They stink to high heaven. We have one. We had one in the studio. They brought in a, uh, a penguin into the studio. I was a bit excited by it. It came in and it didn't take it long for it decided it wanted to go to the toilet on the desk. But they had it walking around here at the top. It was the only time on a Sunday that practically the entire building decamped downstairs to have a look at the penguin. Because obviously most people don't see penguins. It's not the kind of thing you see every day, is it? Uh, I'm a celebrity. Hugo is out. Whoosh, back to uh, back to Chelsea. The reality TV hunks eviction after he received the fewest votes leaves uh, four people battling it out. I don't really care, actually. I don't really care who wins. I, don't, I mean, I'm really not particularly bothered. I'm hoping, I suppose, really, David Hay. He seems, he seems fairly pleasant. Uh, Charlie Brooks not interested. Eric Bristow, nasty piece of work. Very nasty piece of work. And uh, Rosemary Schrager now holds the record. She lost the most weight... In the jungle, in the time she was in there, next to, I think, Christopher Biggins. She said, I even beat Biggins. And she lost two stone, three pounds in 13 days. Mind you, she could do with losing about another ten stone. I mean, she's huge. She really is. She is jab of the hut, ladies and gentlemen. And so she says, I even beat Biggins. I'm so at the top now. Um, Rosebury also branded Eric Bristow a bully because he ridiculed Helen over her spotty skin and joked about Rosemary's weight. Uh, because he's, he's, he's a bully, he's nasty. But the funny story is, on the front of The Sun this morning, they're actually saying that uh, they're showing him in a bad light. How do you show bullying in a bad light? You're either a bully or you're not a bully. And his son, who seems to be Miss, Mr Gobby number two, obviously quite clearly as big a bully as his father, has said here, and I, I quote from the paper, and it, I, I couldn't really believe I was reading it, because it was quite funny. The son said here, who's 19, uh, I'm really fed up with the way Dad's been made to look. The edit's been totally unfair and I know his manager is talking to lawyers about it. (sighs) And then he says, the feeling was that things can't get any worse otherwise we will go for ITV and cause them huge problems. He says here, he's not a bully. He is a bully. We've watched him bullying. We've watched him. Perhaps you're too stupid to realise it. It doesn't make any difference. He says here, the son, he's got a 21-year-old daughter himself, so he'd never be intentionally cruel to anybody else's. They've painted him as a real nasty piece of work. Listen, even before he went in the jungle, I remember somebody saying to me, when we read out the list of names, the amount of people who said to me, he's nasty. Nasty. So, uh, so there you go. It's, it's, they're not portraying him in any way. They can't put words into his mouth. He's portraying himself as he, as he is. Daily Mail, what's Kate hiding behind her fringe? Because now that she's got a new hairstyle, that apparently is of great interest. Uh, the Baby Grow, I'll keep that. Kate and William went on a walkabout the other day and somebody gave him a Baby Grow. He said, I'll hang on to that. The Daily Mirror, they say, minus 20 degrees. The coldest winter for 100 years. Actually, I saw a really lovely scarf over the road. A really lovely scarf. I might, I might, might nip and buy it a bit later on. Front of the Express, uh, the Jungle Stars TV, Jungle TV Stars tears over cruel stunt. Yes, you can meet your daughter. No, you can't because you didn't do the uh, the thing right. Well, you're in there. You're earning forty thousand pounds, Charlie Brooks. Stop moaning. It is 
is awful. Uh, Carol says, my sister and I used to wave at strange people in cars when we were kids. You did it as an adult. How childish. Well, of course, you'd know living in Elephant Castle. That's an up-and-coming up, up area. Not, I don't think, I'm afraid. So, uh, yes, you do, well, in fact, it's, you just wave at cars, don't you? Because I know so many people. I mean, you might not know anybody, but I know loads of people. So chances are, if somebody hoots as they go past me, I do know them. I get taxi drivers hooting. Beep, beep, I, uh, hello. Buses, I get the whole lot. I get everybody. <laughs> I get all these nice people. I'd happily wave to anybody. It doesn't bother me at all. Uh, very quick one here. I'm living in... Is it Gabon at the moment? And because of the hour difference, I'm awake to listen to the whole of your programme, says Liz. You make me laugh. Good. That's what we like. Uh, Karen says, enjoying your show, talking about cats. How could I not? I lived with a famous cat for a little over 12 years. Her name was Scarlet. And the picture here was the one posted on the Times Square Jumbotron when she died in 2008. She said, have a good holiday and keep the snow on your side of the Atlantic. I think we're all going to get it this year, don't you reckon? Don't you reckon? Uh, John says, Wilton's Music Hall, they're holding a bric-a-brac market special from 12 to 4 on Sunday the 9th of December. Thank you, John, very much indeed. That picture's coming up soon, isn't it, I believe, of the, of the iceberg which they claim sunk the Titanic. Uh, Millie says, honey and lemon and hot water. Uh, be aware of cats, special gifts. Cats love to rest in any place where the electronic magnet, where the electromagnetic field is high. Dogs run away from things like that. I know. I do like cats though, at Christmas. They, do, they look good under a Christmas tree, don't they? Wrapped, you know, in a box. <laughs> people, people do, we used to wrap presents up for our cat. We just used to give it an empty box. It was quite happy with an empty box. And then you make little noises at the back of the box and the cat would put its paw in there. It's quite, if you put a mirror in, you can keep it going for days. They're very easily pleased, cats. Uh, very quickly, let me remind you that we have a free podcast for you, uh, which will be up in about 30 minutes' time. And then there'll be the full programme a little bit later on. I keep thinking it's Friday. I just said that, I nearly said, and don't forget, on Sunday, coming up for In Conversation, <laughs> and I suddenly realised we might be changing it. So I'll, I'll let you know tomorrow on the programme, when we will be back between 4 and 6.30. Uh, front of the, uh, the Telegraph today... Alison Pearson, children don't care about ethnic needs, they just want to be loved, and a guide to the TV shows that will boost your career. That's a feature with the Daily Telegraph today. Have a lovely day. Have a lovely, lovely day. It's a bit chillier than usual, but I'm sure you'll wrap up warm. And don't forget, check out with the LBC website the buses in North London that are not running today because of the strike. More details coming up with Nick Ferrari and the team after seven. But coming up next on LBC 97.3 with an update on all the morning news is Susan Bookbinder. LBC 